millions of people every day are reaping the health benefits of using cannabis oil, also known as CBD. This new product derived from hemp has fascinated doctors and scientists around the world for its powerful effects on the human body. If you are in need of alternative methods for health empowerment, please visit www.naturalhempoil.com. That's naturalhempoil.com. CBD is now legal in over 40 states, and our products are non-psychoactive and contain less than 0.3% THC levels. We also offer products for household pets. Naturalhempoil.com does not claim to treat cancer, PTSD, epilepsy, anxiety, insomnia, joint pain, eczema, or any chronic condition that you may have been diagnosed with. Please consult with a doctor before you take CBD. Results may vary, so give our natural CBD a try at www.naturalhempoil.com. That's naturalhempoil.com. Visit naturalhempoil.com. That's naturalhempoil.com. When it comes to stubborn belly fat, we're all searching for a miracle pill. Generally, you have to use multiple products that target belly fat differently to manage excess weight around the stomach. Some products may focus on abdominal exercises or dietary changes, while others might focus on boosting metabolism or controlling cravings. But believe it or not, I may have found a solution that removes the need for juggling through multiple weight management products. It's called Belly Trim, and it's more effective at targeting belly fat, enhancing metabolism, and promoting a toned midsection better than most weight management products I've seen typically found on store shelves. Tens of thousands of five-star reviews back up the notion that Belly Trim is not only a breakthrough in a bottle, but that it also removes the need for us to use countless diet pills and fat-burning supplements. But there's more. If you place your order for Belly Trim now, you'll also receive 51% off free VIP live health and fitness coaching for life, two free new ebooks titled Top 10 Foods That Burn Belly Fat, and Top 10 Exercises to Reduce Belly Fat, a 60-day satisfaction guarantee, and last but not least, free shipping. Simply go to www.trimwithus.com. That's www.trimwithus.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. Once again, that's www.trimwithus.com. Order now. Energy bills are rising at a historic rate, and there's no end in sight. Talk to enough people, and you'll soon realize nearly everyone's shocked at their recent electricity bills. Some studies reveal energy costs have skyrocketed by as high as 60% in as little as two years. That's why tens of thousands are installing this magical little device from SavePowerBills.com to help slash their energy bills. This sophisticated gadget stabilizes electrical currents, reduces dirty electricity, and helps protect your appliances and electronics. Simply plug it into your home wall outlet to help lower energy consumption and ultimately help reduce your power bills every month. Countless five-star reviews back up the notion that this device is one of the most efficient ways to save money while beating the greedy power companies. But there's more. If you order now, you'll also receive 65% off, fast shipping within the USA, hassle-free returns, and last but not least, a 60-day satisfaction guarantee. Just go to SavePowerBills.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. Once again, that's SavePowerBills.com. Violent crime across the U.S. has skyrocketed. Just recently, a politician was carjacked by three armed attackers outside his home in Washington, D.C. This comes several months after another politician was assaulted in the elevator of her building. Between mass shootings, kidnappings, burglaries, and carjackings, it's never been more vital to learn how to protect yourself. This is why tens of thousands are choosing the Fighter Flare Flashlight. The Fighter Flare Flashlight has awed people with a wonderful design and massive light output. On top of an ultra-bright 800-lumen light, it boasts powerful strobe lighting modes for self-defense, a glass breaking hammer, a built-in power bank, solar-powered recharging, rope cutter, siren, and much more. Countless five-star reviews back up the notion that this flashlight is the latest and greatest in the EDC market. But there's more. If you place your order for the Fighter Flare flashlight now, you'll also receive 66% off, free express shipping, and last but not least, a 100% lifetime guaranteed replacement. Simply go to www.fighterflare.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. 
www.fighterflare.com. Order now. Something wicked is coming this way, and only fools are ignoring the signs. So it's time you became a financial prepper like thousands of others. Gold can travel anywhere. It's international. It's its own currency. Allocate to gold now, the timeless safe haven asset. Open an IRA with noble gold investments to physically hold coins and bars and let real, tangible gold, not just paper, save your portfolio as the economy burns again. Right now, Noble Gold Investments offers a free 3-ounce silver American virtue coin with every qualified IRA. Just use the promo code code GOLD to claim your free coin and secure your family's financial future. Go to noblegoldinvestments.com now. noblegoldinvestments.com This performance may not be indicative of future results. Investing in precious metals, including gold, involves risks. Consult with your tax attorney or financial professional before making an investment decision. RPN is not responsible for the views, actions, statements, or opinions of its guests, advertisers, or even its viewers. The information contained in this program is not to be construed with medical or legal advice. An appearance on this platform is not necessarily an endorsement, but as always, we encourage you to do your own research. Enjoy the show. Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Saturday Night Live Stream. Continuing my guess, repeated series of investigations and interviews with former Project Veritas whistleblowers, tonight my guest is DHS insider Aaron Stevenson. Aaron uncovered a number of things while in the employ of the federal government. Some of that made him very nervous, so he went out and sought James O'Keefe. And of course, he made his disclosures. Uh, We're going to be taking a look at some of the original interview that he and James did. And we're also going to be talking, of course, about the specific aspects of what he blew the whistle on. Aaron is running just a couple of minutes late, and I have just completed my very first Twitter space. Three hours of conversation about election integrity. Hopefully, if you guys have a Twitter account, even if you're banned from Twitter, you can still log in. You can still go and listen to that Twitter space. I'm going to do what I can to export the audio and put it up on my channel. So if you don't want to have to go through all that rigmarole, you don't have to. But either way, you can follow Aaron on Twitter. You can search Aaron Stevenson. You'll be able to find him there. I actually will be passing out links to his GoFundMe and to his Twitter account here just in a moment. But please, in the meantime, sit back, relax, grab your popcorn, and we're going to be right back after this. All right. Welcome to the program, everyone. Thank you so much for being here. Sincerely appreciate it. We are just waiting on Aaron to get home from his daughter's dance recital. In the meantime, I've got a couple of other things that I felt that we should go ahead and go over. Now, first of all, let me just make sure that I've got the correct stuff pulled up on screen. Okay, and it's not. So let me just make sure that I get this taken care of. The rumble chat should be right there. No, that's not it. Uh, Let's try that one. Yes, there we go. 
All right, now you should be able to see the Rumble chat. Thank you very much. I see you guys all over there. Hey, Frey and the boys, good to see you, buddy. I'm glad you like Aaron. I love Aaron, too. He he's a, uh, he has a great personality. He's got a great story. He's an American hero, served his country for 17 years, and he blew the whistle. And instead of addressing the concerns he had, which are legitimate, the federal government attacked him. The federal government destroyed his career. They fired him. He made it through the vax mandates and all of that garbage, and they have now canceled his employment with the federal government. Let me go ahead and get this on screen, and you guys can see what we're looking at. Okay, so this is fundraiser, give, send, go. There it is. Okay, so Aaron, as I stated, was a Project Veritas whistleblower. He came forward to James O'Keefe, gave a, a great interview. Uh, he's actually friends with Tara Rodas, who was the uh, whistleblower who revealed government-sanctioned human trafficking. I interviewed her just a couple of weeks ago. So here is Aaron's Give, Send, Go, Homeland Security whistleblower. As I said, American hero, served his country for 17 years. He was in the Marines for eight years, then for nine as a federal employee. He was working as an intelligence analyst of some sort at the DHS, and he chose to uphold his oath to the Constitution. He saw something, and he said something. So he came forward to publicly reveal something that would put Americans at risk. What it would do would be allowing uh, illegal migrants with criminal backgrounds, uh, very dangerous people, to remain in the country, even though they shouldn't be here by any stretch of the imagination. It would essentially contradict the very foundations of the American Republic. Now, it was initiated by federal employees who, of course, are not elected. These are unelected bureaucrats who want to change America and make us into something that they would rather see. Obviously, a communist or a socialist type of playground. They want to get rid of border patrol. They want to do away with our borders. They want to get rid of ICE and customs enforcement. All of these agencies, they're planning to no longer fund and essentially force them into the dustbins of history. Uh, and these rule changes that Aaron identified and attempted to may raise awareness on and let people know about are the reason that he was fired. He also has proven to the American people that transnational criminal organizations are trafficking children, and it is being done under the watchful eye of the United States government, under the Joe Biden regime. Transnational criminal organizations, that is a term that we have been speaking about here on this program for quite some time. We know what a transnational criminal organization is, and I would say that there are many of them out there that are working directly with some of our most powerful American oligarchs. These are also the same organizations that President Trump wrote that very famous executive order for. If those transnational criminal organizations or people here in the United States are found to be working with them, well, then they're supposed to lose everything. They're supposed to be treated like the criminals they are. Unfortunately, under the current regime, none of those rules are being taken seriously. The safety of Americans are not being taken seriously. The the sanctity of childhood is not being taken seriously. And thankfully, we have people like Aaron who are willing to step out and put their necks on the line to let the American public know. If it wasn't for Aaron, we wouldn't have even had any idea about what was going on. Let me go ahead and take a look at the chat so I can see who's here. Uh, if you wouldn't mind, guys, 
please help me out by sharing this broadcast. Uh, let me see. Black GSD 131 says 5,200 views and zero comments. What's up with that? Uh, I don't know what's up with that. Maybe it's because I created the show at like 2 p.m. today. So it's been online. A lot of people had the opportunity to stop in, notice that it didn't start till nine, then they came back. Uh, also, in live shows, I've noticed that most people don't comment in the comment section. And even more than that, I've also noticed that people on Rumble are far less likely to comment than they are on other platforms. So if you're here, I would so appreciate it if you were to participate in the chat. Hang out with us over there. Let us know what you're thinking. Let us know what you're feeling. Let me know if there's anything you want me to cover. My mods are over there, and uh, they are happy to pass on anything that I might miss. Uh, Also, somebody said that uh, they love my show with John. Well, thank you very much. Liberty Mutual 6 also says, good evening, RP and Patriots. Thank you very much. Uh, Spike Protein, he says, immigration needs to be limited to small numbers of productive legal immigrants who assimilate into traditional American culture. I'd be fine with stopping all immigration, both legal and illegal. I personally am 100% in favor of stopping all immigration for a certain period of time until we can sufficiently solve the problems that are inherent in our system right now. Uh, as it stands, you know, it's like we're driving a car on a donut. And at any moment, that donut could go flying off or the tread might rip off. Uh, it's only a stopgap. We're only getting from point A to point B, and we're not doing it very well. You know, because when you have a donut on, you're not optimizing your gas mileage. You're certainly not optimizing uh, your, uh, your your airflow and your, and your uh, aerodynamic nature uh, because your car is out of alignment. And uh, that's exactly what's happening to this nation. We are out of alignment on so many different issues. Now, our immigration system is set up in such a way so that people who do want to come here legally, people who want to have something to offer this nation, they're at a disadvantage. Many people, educated people who would do well to come to America and and would bolster the U.S. economy, uh, they would help to create job markets. Uh, they would do a lot of good things for this na- for this nation. They're unable to get into the country. They could go to Mexico. Go to a holiday in Baja, California, walk across at San Diego or perhaps at one of the other many porous border points all throughout the southeastern, southwestern United States. And uh, and they would be able to get in and just stick around forever. They could also get free money that way. They could get uh, food stamps. They could get government assistance. They might even be given a beautiful brand new apartment when so many American citizens, veterans are forced to live homeless on the streets because they can't afford the standard of living. Uh, can you imagine? Look at look at places like San Francisco. OK, some of these uh, liberal havens in California. It's so ridiculous to me. The people who identify as Democrats out there, because they're some of the wealthiest people you can possibly imagine. They've got money just coming out of every orifice, and they're not doing anything to solve the homeless crisis. They're not doing anything to solve the drug crisis. And quite often, they do everything within their power to make sure that those undesirables, those 'er ne'er-do-wells, get as far away from their communities as possible. They force the homeless and the drug addicts into the lower socioeconomic status areas. And those people, the hardworking Americans who are the ones who are actually feeding the uh, the tax base, they're the ones who end up having to take on the additional burden of the people that society has forgotten. Phyllis says our nation needs a great chiropractor to put us back into alignment. That is the real President Trump. I'm absolutely with you there. Spike Protein also says, I know 
plenty of legal immigrants, but I still believe that our traditional American culture is being diluted by way too much immigration at once. That is why I'm fine with stopping all immigration. There is that. Uh, there's also the fact, uh, uh, as you just pointed out, uh, that uh, the, the people who are allowed in here are not in the same way that they were previously uh, suggested to adhere to American culture. You know, people would come to America to become American. You know, you, you, that's where you get like the people with foreign accents wearing cowboy boots and cowboy hats. And, you know, they, they want to learn how to ride the rodeo or they want to ride the trains or, you know, whatever it might be, something that's uniquely American. They, they want to learn the Constitution. They want to learn the Bill of Rights. They want to learn the Pledge of Allegiance. All of those things used to be taught not only to the immigrants, but also to the people in schools or, or American citizens. It's just not happening anymore. Uh, they're not just diluting American culture with immigrants. They're diluting American culture here at home in schools as well. Uh, Okay, so grew up in this stuff. I'm good. Okay, yes. Stop immigration, guys. Dig One Deeper says illegals being placed in new builds in UK, basically ghettos. I've definitely heard that as well. Uh, Okay, so let me see. Um, Here's a story that, you know, kind of made me feel warm and fuzzy. Uh, It's a sad story. But I think at the end of the day, it's a story about justice. Let's take a look here. The man on screen right now, Levi William Axtell. He is a Minnesota father charged with second-degree murder after he allegedly killed a convicted pedophile with moose horns. Uh, And this father says that this sex offender stalked his daughter. I personally don't blame this guy. Uh... I hope that when he goes to trial, it's not going to be a bunch of pedophiles and leftists on the jury because they might not be as inclined to agree with me and agree with him as well. Uh, Levi is from Grand Marais, Minnesota, and uh, it wasn't like he just went out and took a gun and shot this guy in the face. He, he was, he's convicted of beating this pedophile with a shovel before he finished him off. Uh, this was the murder was actually with a moose antler. It wasn't that the pedophile had moose antlers because that's how I read it at the beginning, but he actually used a moose antler to complete the job beating this guy to death. Um, he's only 27. Uh, so his, his daughter can't be very old either. Uh, but the pedophile, his name is Lawrence V. Scully's, a 77 year old. Uh, and he was actually killed in his home. So sounds like Levi knew where this guy lived and went to go find him. Now, according to the complaint, uh, Levi was covered in blood as he walked into the lobby, the lobby of the police uh, uh, station, uh, put his hands on his head and said that he had just murdered Scully. So he immediately went and turned himself in. Um, this is in Cook County. Judge Michael Cuso has set the bail for $1 million after a Friday hearing. Tell me this. Why is it when we have farmers killing illegals with AK-47s and we have young fathers who are looking to protect their daughters. These are the guys who get the million-dollar bail. But then you have people uh, like illegals that come here and just shoot a woman in the park for no reason, and they get out on bail without any type of uh, uh, cash that they have to put down. Um, so he believed that this man was targeting his daughter. The daughter's only 22 months, all right? The court records have shown that Scully was stalking this 22-month, under two years old, stalking her at her daycare. 
and he had actually requested a an order of protection back in 2018. So it sounds like this was an ongoing problem. And if this 77-year-old pedophile had been aggressively stalking my under two-year-old daughter, well, God, I can only imagine what I would do in that situation. Uh, he had been there at the daycare many times stalking children in his van. He's a convicted pedophile, and him stalking and attempting to groom my daughter is completely inappropriate and needs to stop. So the next question I have is, where were the the teachers and the administrators at this particular daycare? I mean, how was it that this 77-year-old convicted pedophile was able to gain such close access to a playground full of children so that he could groom them to potentially take them home and abuse them? Uh, the article author agrees with me as well. Scully had no business walking the streets of America to begin with. This is a perfect example of why we shame pedophiles. This is a perfect example of why we call this stuff out, because it should not be legal for them to walk around. And oftentimes it isn't legal for them to be in the presence of children. But they get into situations where they just can't help themselves. They have to be around children because they're sick. Okay, they are absolutely sick and diseased. So if we shame them sufficiently and we cast them out of society, well, then they would end up on the outskirts of town somewhere where children are not congregating and they wouldn't have the access and therefore they wouldn't be tempted. It would also be helpful if these people were forced to take uh, those puberty blockers uh, as they get older. Not all of them do. Some of them do. Uh, but if their sex drive is killed off or if perhaps they are castrated or they're given some type of, um, I don't know, uh, <laughs> some type of preparatory method to ensure that they're not going to be able to go after kids, uh, then, you know, they might be in a better position and they might not end up dead at the end of a moose antler. So Sheriff Eliason said Friday there have been numerous complaints against this convicted pedophile but a subsequent investigation didn't reveal anything. Well, of course. I mean, as soon as he knew the cops were looking at him, he probably stopped showing up at the schoolyard. He already got the pictures. He had all of the material that he needed. Uh, and, uh, you know, because he was able to get that close, he kept going back. He kept trying to go back. Who knows what would have happened to that little girl? I say Thank God this pedophile is dead before he had the opportunity to destroy the life of another child. It should not have happened in the first place. This father should not have been put into the position uh, to murder this man, but he did. Um, here is a major, major story, guys. Uh, this has happened in the last 24 to 48 hours. A very large bank in Silicon Valley. It's actually Silicon Valley Bank has gone completely insolvent. Now, you, th you say to yourself, well, it's a Silicon Valley bank. I don't have my money in Silicon Valley banks. And, uh, you know, all of my money is, uh, is covered by FDIC, even, you know, if I do have money in a bank. Well, all of these banks are connected to each other. Um, and during the pandemic, the government uh, suggested to all of these banks that they they purchase uh, 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 bonds and securities that were being put out by the United States government. Well, as soon as interest rates started to rise, all of these banks lost a ton of money. And now that this particular bank has gone the same way as FTX, losing over 60 percent of its value in just a couple of days, 
all of those people who do have their money in Silicon Valley Bank are all of these people who do have their money in Silicon Valley Bank are not going to be able to capture it back and their businesses are are going to go out of business as well. And in addition to that, they are connected to all of these other uh, banks as well. I think that uh, in the last couple of days, Chase, um, uh, Wells Fargo, and a number of other like Main Street banks have all lost $50 billion from their balance sheets. If anybody is telling you that it's not as a result of what happened here at SVB, I think they're not being honest with you. Um, we could be looking at the verge of... We could be standing on the verge of another major financial collapse that's about to happen. And all I can say is it might not be a bad idea to get as much of your money out of the bank as you possibly can. But even at these banks that have not collapsed, Wells Fargo, people are unable to get in there and get their cash deposits. So uh, you may have difficulty getting your money out of these banks. We are just about to bring in Aaron Stevenson. We're just waiting for Aaron to connect. And uh, if you guys have had any particular experiences at Wells Fargo or at any of these other banks where people are unable to get their deposits, I'd love to hear about it. Uh, Aaron is on screen. Let me just switch to the proper. There we go. We got it all set up right here for the audience. And now everybody can see. Okay, welcome to the program, Aaron. It's so good to actually meet you in person. We've only spoken on the phone thus far. Mm. I don't have any audio from you. Hold on, hold on. This no, no we're good. We're no, good. I oh, okay, cool, cool. Okay. Sometimes it's my soundboard. So, uh I'm glad I to know it. it wasn't me this time. <laughs> um but yeah, so first thank you of course, but second apologies to you and also your audience. Um my kids dance thing got pushed and it was just like kind of biting time, biting time and then I'm a single dad, but I'm here. It's all good, man. It's all good. I think uh, probably many other fathers out there in the audience have been in that same position. You know, uh, I, yeah. I, I, I wouldn't I would never begrudge anybody for choosing their child over a, a pre-existing appointment. We were just, you know, you might have might have heard of this, but we were just uh, going over a story before you joined about a, a young father in Minnesota who found a convicted pedophile was stalking his daughter. And he's now been charged with second degree murder. Um, it's, a, it's a sad tale. You know, it's too bad that. Uh, uh, this this young man finds himself in that position. But, you know, as a father, uh, if I was to find a convicted pedophile that was stalking my daughter of 22 months, less than two years old, as vulnerable as you can possibly be, you know, I, I don't know what I wouldn't be willing to do to protect that child. You know, it's uh, yeah. and it's just it's a natural thing. You have to be there for your kids. Yeah, that's uh, I did not, by the way, know about that story. That's that's Minnesota. Yes, Minnesota. Yeah. All right. Shocking stuff. So we're starting off pretty heavy. <laughs> well, you know, let's, let's go. the news is the news is always heavy, you know, and, and honestly, you know, the the content of your disclosures is uh, is fairly heavy, too. So, I mean, we, we might as well just jump right into it. So, Aaron, let's uh, let's start at the beginning here. I, I, I had mentioned I told the audience I showed your GoFundMe. Uh, went ahead and passed that out to them as well. Uh, obviously, you need to raise money because you've given up everything to do the right thing, to come forward, tell the American public what it was that you discovered. You've been in military, you've been in government, you've been in public service for nearly two decades. Uh, what is it that uh, that urged you, first of all, to start on this path 17 years ago? Well, so as far as 
I mean, that I, so I joined the Marine Corps at high school. Um, and that was back in, I, I graduated high school in June, 2001. So I went to boot camp July of 2001. So that, yeah, that just put me on the path right there. Um, and then I went to Iraq three times. I did two enlistments in the Marine Corps. Um, but after, you know, after three of those, I was kind of like, all right, this isn't for me anymore. It's just, I'm not feeling it. It's not in my heart anymore, but I still wanted to like, whatever reason, still actually had the desire to like serve America, serve the people. I just like that. I don't know what it is about me, but it's something that I always wanted to do. So, um, it takes a while to come a federal employee. I didn't have a college degree yet. All I've done is go overseas. So I had to kind of like build myself, build myself up still. And, um, I contracted for two and a half years, uh, for DOD. So I was in the national ground intelligence center and uh, defense intelligence agency. And that's when I went to Afghanistan three times. So I was there in 2010, 2011, 2012. And that was like Obama's surge. Um, so 2010, I was supporting the Marines again and, and the Marines and the British forces in uh, Helmand province. And that was supporting uh, Op Mashark and um, Op Herrick for the British. And then in 2011, um, I was supporting Special Forces. So this is all biometrics and forensics at this point. So I'm learning how to you know, utilize, you know, DNA, fingerprints, how to assist interrogations, how does it help out targeting, those kind of things. And then my last appointment was in 2012. Um, I was supporting DIA over there. And it was kind of similar, but we kind of changed the scope a little bit. We were looking more at like, you know, green on blue and how are we vulnerable to them? And just, you know, those kind of jobs. And then that's when I got a job offer to, to work for DHS. And um, I took it because I talked to a mentor and he kind of put in perspective. I had like, you know, 400 some odd applications out. I had three interviews. I had one job offer. And so I was like, you know, should I take this thing or no? And he was like, yeah, dude, look at the math. Like, take the job. <laughs> so, um, yeah. I know. Obviously. <laughs> so, I, so I took it and it was in uh, Northern Virginia. It was out of uh, Reston, Virginia. It was actually for a very, very small component of DHS called U.S. Visit. And basically what we were doing was we were attached to this thing called the National National Targeting Center for Passengers, or the NTC. And that was a CBP thing, but we were just kind of there to supplement them and help them out. But it, I was in this thing for about four months, and that's when the government sequester happened. That was the, the first lockdown. I think Ted Cruz kind of helped initiate it. And we basically just kind of rolled into CBP afterwards. So then I became a CBP employee. Um, not uniformed. I was uh, I was an intel analyst basically, and our job there was to essentially vet Iraqis and Afghans, like you know, coming in the country because that was you know, all of us had been there multiple times. We kind of knew the we knew the data, we knew the people, we knew the you know operations. We had a good understanding of it. I was there for about sixteen months, and I just started losing it because like we were finding bad guys. Oh, this guy's a terrorist. This guy, we know he works for the Taliban Al Qaeda. We know this guy works for something else. And we're proving it very well. However, because they already had, you know, some type of status in the United States, they already had like travel documents. We couldn't like prevent them from entering the United States. And I just, you know, well, immigration laws are new to me. And I'm just So so what once you identify them though, I mean it, was there a reporting process to maybe pass it up the chain so that somebody else is aware? I mean, yeah. with all of the sophisticated uh, surveillance uh, uh, capabilities that the United States government has from any number of federal agencies, uh, I would think that this would just be immediately in the wheelhouse of somebody who would care. Yeah, and it's and it's they do care and it is robust. Like we had great ability to do a lot of the job and pretty efficiently and pretty quickly, too. Like we knew who these people were, we, you know, leveraged biometrics, we leveraged also reporting, you know, we had a good job there. However, the problem isn't the products, it's the process, which is immigration law. And you just started realizing like by, by about then, by about you know, early 2014, I was like, okay, so honestly, 
if you have any type of status to get in the country, you're getting in. And so I was kind of naive still. I was like, all right, well, this is a problem, I think. And I, I really still want to help bad guys not come in the country. I just, I was in Afghanistan two years ago at this point. So I looked for a new job at USCIS, which is uh, United States Citizenship and Immigration Services. So these are the people that kind of uh, do the administrative part of immigration law. So when it comes to immigration, you've got kind of a little bit of an array. CBP controls the ports of entry in and out. Uh, Between the ports, you've got the border, and that's done by Border Patrol. They do the whole blocking mechanism, or they're supposed to. And then if you make it in the country illegally with either bad product or an illegal alien, ICE takes care of you, and they try to get you out. If you're here legally and you're doing legal whatevers as a, as an immigrant, then you work with USCIS and you do your travel documents or your work authorization, naturalization, you know, whatever. Right. So I went to go there because it's like, okay, well, this would be the way then to find bad guys, because if they got to go through USCIS to get here, there we go. I'll just go work for them. So I put an application, uh, you know, got some interviews done. It was a little bit easier as a fed now because you know, people know you and I got a job offer. So I accepted it in a, um, part of USCIS called FDNS, which is Fraud Detection National Security. And it's like, oh, boom, we're going to de- detect fraud and national security. This is awesome. This is my job here. I'm not even kidding. Maybe within like 18 months, I was just like, wow, we we don't do a damn thing. Um, there is a, a saying that we have at work that, well, sorry, it won't work there anymore, which was, it's not over until the alien wins. And that just literally means like they will appeal, appeal, and appeal until they get whatever it is they're going for. And they will get it. So and why at that is point that? Time, is, is, is that just because well, people feel it's it's futile? I mean, is, isn't there mechanisms to address the issues that you're finding? There's, there's so many, um, but there's there's systematic problems. I think there's kind of organizational problems that we have with it. For example, um, we find a lot of terrorists, right? Okay, boom, there the guy's a terrorist. That guy's a terrorist. Well, how do we know that? Well, we have this reporting that's classified secret that says, you know, blah, blah, blah. And we confirm it with yada, yada, yada. And the problem with the government there is they refuse to take that to court in case they get sued. Because if we then deny the alien for whatever, they can appeal the process. Okay, fine. That's the way our government works. Okay. So now the government goes to court with the alien and the government says, you are a terrorist. And the judge says, let's see the evidence. Then the government would go, we can't. It's classified. And then they can't, they can't utilize it. So the problem is, though, it's like most information, though, I know, but most information, though, it's not that sensitive, you know? I I mean, I think most people know now, how do we find out if someone's a bad guy or not? You know, well, well, wow, we've all seen the 24. We know how things work. And Mm -hmm. we could leverage it much better. We choose not to. Um, That's that's obviously beyond my scope, obviously. It wasn't, you know, any type of level that high. But um, it kind of starts from there, but then it kind of cascades after that because... As much as we have immigration law, we also have what's called the administrative state. And they're mm-hmm. the ones that actually process law. They're the ones that actually decide, okay, this will be the form we use. We're going to ask these questions. We're going to look at these this information. And over time, it just it whittles away the intent of the law. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just hard. Um, a lot of the actually I would say most of the of the terrorists that come in, they do they do, do it via like the refugee process or the asylum process or other type of what they would call chain migration. So the guy's wife comes in, then he tries to come in and if he can do it before he's, if he can do that before he's identified being a terrorist, he will get in the country and stay in the country. And it, it just gets, it gets really difficult at that point because then you're also using an agency, USCIS that doesn't exactly have the teeth or even the tools right now or the desire 
to really try to go after these people. And, and here we are. So after seeing this for about, cause I started working there in 2014 and after seeing this for go on for like number of years, um, it was 2020 and watching that color revolution throughout the year. And mm-hmm. it was in October. Um, I was watching the Tim pool show and James O'Keefe was on and they were, you know, him and him and Tim are having a conversation and they're basically keep saying the thing where it's like, you know, we know there's problems in our government and our society and our corporations. And if people like really see these things, they got to be the ones to step forward because otherwise, you know, is it worth it type thing? And I'm sitting there just like kind of watching the show and I'm like, these dudes are talking basically about people like us. Like I see major problem going on. I see a lot of corruption going on in my agency. Why am I not doing anything about it? And I've tried at work. I've tried writing intelligence papers. We tried having, you know, conferences and meetings and everything. And we always fail. And that's just the way it is. So I was like, you know what? I think, I think this is it. So I reached out to Project Veritas the next day. Um, it was like through their signal. So I called them and then I, you know, just kind of text them. And then the day after that, they called back and I was terrified because <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, what have I done? Is this, did I do the right <laughs> thing? What am I doing here? And for the next like week or two, it was like just a roller coaster up and down. Like, you know, no, this is bad. This has to be stopped. What have I done? Oh my gosh. And it just kind of keeps going, going, going. And then, um, I, you know, meet with one of the journalists and we, you know, we build a rapport. We start talking and it's, it's okay. He's a, he's a good guy. I trust him. We do a few conversations. And then, um, on January or sorry, on January, I think third or fourth of 2021, you know, I get a text from some of the PV people, the Project Veritas people. And they were like, you know, Hey, James is going to be there in a couple of days. He's going to that Trump rally in DC. And, you know, I, at the time I lived in Alexandria, Virginia. And they were like, do you want to go there and meet him? I was like, yeah, but like not in the open. Like, you know, can we set up a meeting? They were like, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. So they're like, yeah, he'll be in DC January 6th. Um, just, you know, hit us up and we'll find out where you're at. So I go to DC January 6th, you know, go to parking garage, kind of walking around and just I'm like, wow, there's a lot of people here. There was a lot of people in the city actually, but I'm a few blocks away from the yeah. Capitol. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I'm trying to get a hold of them. You know, reception sucks. It's DC, it's the way it is, plus all the people there. And then I finally, you know, get a hold of them. We go into, you know, we meet up, go to the hotel room. I'm there with a couple other, like, you know, PV, you know, basically people. And we're going to talk to him, explaining things. And then, like, one guy's got a cell phone. He's kind of checking it. And he's like, guys, turn on the TV now. And they turn it on. And then you see the Capitol getting, like, you know, people going to the Capitol. Yeah. And so I'm sitting there on January 6th with James Keith. And I'm like, wow. Like, I, I think things are going to change. Like, I think things are going to be pretty pretty nuts. Yeah. And then, um, and then yeah. So I, you know, talked to them for, the reporter again. And I said, like, listen, dude, I'll be in contact pretty regularly, I think. So then a month later in February, 2021, um, I have this job called it was basically what we did was we looked at, um, alien encounters that were matching to the transnational organized crime watch list. So we all know what a watch list is, right? And I'm pretty sure most viewers know right now we had this thing called a terrorism watch list and that looks for, you know, international terrorists. We also have one called the, the talk watch list, transnational organized crime. And this looks for individuals in named organizations that are doing, you know, organized crime across borders. So, so just as an example, we're like, talking like like MS-13 or uh, like, I guess, you know, the Russian mob or even the uh, uh, American mafia, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So um, as long as it's a named organization that operates across different countries that it hits that and as long as the government agrees to nominate them. So, yeah, first started off with like Eastern European gangsters and like we never saw them at work at USCIS because – you know, most mobsters don't come to America and then file petitions to USCIS. That's just not how it works. 
Right. But then Trump added in 20, I think 18, he added MS-13, 18th Street Gang, uh, some other cartels. And we started seeing, whoa, encounters all of a sudden. We're seeing actually kind of regularly on maybe seven a week. Also becomes like about 20 a week. And we're like, this is actually a big thing. So I'm used to information. And I see these encounters come in every single day. And they just come in as an email. It goes to the entire distribution list of those who are members of this, this talk working group. And it says on there, like, you know, who the alien is. And then like the identifiers, his name, his alien number, his date of birth, just whatever, right? But it gives you an encounter reason as well. And I'm not going to say all the encounter reasons because the program's still active. It's a good, it, it does identify people. So I won't spill the beans, but it's going to have things like, you know, encounters with USCIS, cop pulls them over, um, a, a deportation flight, right? So it's like, and you see these over time and you just, you kind of, you start to learn how it looks like, okay, this is this, that means that cool. But then in February, 2021, one comes across and the encounter reason says six USC 279 UAC sponsor. I was like, what the, what the hell that is? So, you know, I, I skip it. A month later, I see another one in March 2021. And again, it says 6 USC 279 UAC sponsor. I was like, I've seen that thing before. What the hell is that? And so I copy and paste it. I look in my inbox and there was one from February 2021. So, okay, I just, I Google it, right? Go to internet. What, what is this? And it comes back talking about UACs, which stands for unaccompanied alien child. I was like, all right, well, what's this? What's the UAC sponsor? What the hell is that? So I look it up and there's this whole program where you can sponsor an unaccompanied child at the border. And I was like, why would an MS-13 member be trying to get a kid? This makes no sense at all. And I was like, I don't know that, that just, it just felt weird. Then April, I saw a third one. Now, one thing to understand, by the way, are, uh, are two different numbers here. So when it comes to the terrorism watch list, there is no limit. There's no ceiling. So if the U.S. government feels like putting on a billion people, there's a billion people, right? There's over a million names on the, on the on that watch list. But when it comes to the talk watch list, there's not. There's actually a cap. It's capped at 40,000. So ever since about January to February 2021, and ever since then, we've been seeing about a quarter million um, illegal entries per month. So there's only 40,000 on this watch list, and we're seeing about a quarter million per month come through. So those are two, you know, like, wow, these are a lot of people and you're checking against a very, very small amount of a database. Mm-hmm. And so when I saw three and three months, about every three and a half, four weeks, it's like, okay, like there is definitely something here. Then this is more than meets the eye. So I looked up any type of intelligence reporting from like raw intelligence to field reporting, to intelligence reports, to a finished analysis. I looked at CBP, nope, Border Patrol, nothing, ICE, nothing. No one's talking about these gangsters trying to get, you know, kids. Okay. So I reached out to DOJ and I looked at the websites, FBI, state labor, anybody that might be involved in this and nobody is, and there's no intelligence function at HHS. So that's kind of mute to even go to them. So it's like, all right, now it's about May. It's about June. I think it is. And I, we saw the sixth one come in. And so I hit a project Veritas and I was like, listen, guys, there's something really weird about this because we have no idea what the hell is going on. And we're starting to see these on a, on a regular basis. Like by once every four weeks, but once a month, we're seeing these gangs come in and get kids. And I've never seen it before the border opened up in 2021. And we've had surges prior to that. 2019 was a horrible year. 2014 was a horrible year, but we've never seen this before. And so it just, it's, it, it felt weird. And so then um, about two weeks later, the uh, DHS INA, which stands for intelligence and analysis, they produced and they published what's called their uh, collection primer. And a collection primer, it was like this 80-page document, and it was only about organized like gang activity. That was it. 
And I look through it and it says like, you know, we're looking for, you know, this information because intelligence is a very structured process. Like you've, you've got planning, you've got collection, you have analysis, you have summation. Everyone's got a job to do. It's very, very organized. There's great reporting chains. It's not, it's not that hard at all. So I read through this document and child trafficking is never mentioned. Sponsors are never mentioned. Unaccompanied children are never mentioned. Sex trafficking is never mentioned. It's like, well, that's odd. We all know that they, we know they do sex trafficking. So maybe I skipped it. I looked at the PDF online and I'm just doing like, you know, control find and looking for keywords and like nothing exists. So it's like, okay, so this is why probably we're not seeing anything because they haven't been told to look for it either. And Aaron, I'm trying to, ask you know, a question? talk to... It, Go ahead. Are, are, would you have been able to look at historical revisions to those documents? Because <clears throat> President Trump was one of the, the... Well, I guess he is the only president in my lifetime that I can remember specifically shining a light on this very issue. I mean, the plight of, of children and in, in, in child and human trafficking. And, and he also specifically made overtures to try to address this issue. I'm wondering if he, uh, in his administration, had included language about this so that it was something that the government was looking for. And if once the Biden regime took over, they were able to successfully remove it so that it kind of went off everybody's radar. So he definitely had a much more concentrated effort to, to com- combat trafficking. And I'm talking like labor trafficking, sex trafficking, everything. Um, but there was nothing about this specifically with with international gangs and sponsoring okay. unaccompanied children. That didn't exist ever. But also, we never okay. saw any. We never saw the activity before February 2021. So th- that's why it's kind of like, all right, well, obviously, why would the administration look for it if it's not there yet? Sure. But now that we're seeing it, no one's talking about it. No one's looking at it. And um, so I sat down with Project Veritas uh, not too much after that. And, you know, I was worried about my job. And I was like, all right, guys, like if I do this, like I'm going to get fired like that. Like, so I went into covers. They changed my voice. You know, it was all shadowed up. And it was released in August of 2021. And I go to work. And now, by the way, at this time, they weren't on Twitter. James O'Keefe wasn't on Twitter. So it's like, you know, it's not the biggest story, I guess, which is fine. That's not the point why I did it. But I go to work and it's nothing at all. First off, no one knew who I was. So they didn't know how to find me, which is cool. But then no one's talking about it either. It never get, doesn't get mentioned at all. And I know it gets passed around. I know people saw it because that's how Tara Rodas, the HHS whistleblower, found out yes. about it. So it's like, okay, so <clears throat> that kind of just felt weird to me. And then I didn't pursue it any harder or further because if I did, I would open the doors up to have been like, well, why are you pushing so hard, Aaron? Is this you? And we right. would have gone crazy. Right. And they would have seen a flight record to me going to where I met him at and, you know, whatever. Um, but then, yeah, so then... uh I actually blew the whistle two more times. <laughs> um, the second one is where I went public. And that was in uh, October of 2021. And that was about a rule change that DHS was pushing through. And by a rule change, this means um, it's an offic- it's, a, it's actual function of government. is done by the administrative state because it's all about administrative law. And this is where they were trying to change the adjudicative authority of defensive asylum cases and taking it away from immigration judges and giving it to asylum officers. Sounds boring. And it sounds like, you know, well, whatever. What, what does that mean? The reason why it's really important are a few different things. So the first one is, and this is for the Biden voters, okay? Joe Biden's platform, which he received and he accepted, and he said, this is mine. In that platform, in immigration, which you can look up if you want, it talks about immigration judges one time. And it says specifically about giving them, you know, more autonomy, um, their own authority, very little political will. It's like, no, no, we're, we want to, we want to, 
you know, like empower you guys. We want you guys to do your job and focus on your job, which is to, you know, do whatever. Cool. And then he's basically literally taking the power away from them, taking their job away from the immigration judges and giving it to asylum officers. Now, why else is this important? So immigration judges are not judges, as many would think, where they require like a Senate hearing and a vote. Doesn't that happen that way? They're basically immigration lawyers that are appointed by the attorney general. Well, the attorney general is at least, you know, there's some some accountability to the public because if America went out in the street tomorrow and there's 10 million people and they were just screaming, like, we want this guy fired, that might be enough to get him fired, right? There, there's some accountability when it's a political appointee. So if he gets fired, a new guy comes in, he has to get new judges. So it's like, no, there's there's something there for the public. But asylum officers are not. They're hired not even by just DHS, not even just by USCIS. They're hired by their own section, which is called RAIO. And it stands for, it's R-A-I-O. It stands for Refugee Asylum and International Operations. And they are shady. And I'm, I'm okay to say that now because I'm fired. These guys are incredibly shady. And I can get into this in much more detail. Well, but it seems, this it is the seems like an... Seems like an organization that would be ripe to stack with uh, activists. Oh, very much so. There's a lot of activism. Yeah. They they tried suing Trump in 2019. It's just you, it gets really, really. You know, they wear it openly. They they have no like they are the power of USCIS. And um, so when you look at their work, that's when it gets even more interesting because defensive asylum is a is a weird thing. Defensive asylum is not what people think of asylum. Asylum, what you, you would usually think like you know. Some Soviet official flies to the airport and says, like, I'm going to declare asylum. That's affirmative. Right. That's where the alien initiates the process. Defensive asylum is they're getting removed from the country. Like, they're getting, they're literally getting deported. And from their say, own country? Oh, no, no, no. No, no, from America back to the okay. country. So they're already okay. here or they're at the border. And they're like, yeah, you can't be here. You got to go home. Whoa. But if you send me home. I'll be persecuted. I could be harmed. I could be tortured. I could be, you know, whatever. Right. And it's like, okay, that's an asylum claim. But since you did it well in, in, in removal proceedings, that's considered defensive asylum. So before you get that status, you have to first go through a screening mechanism. And there's two ways of doing this. One is called credible fear. The other is called reasonable fear. This does not mean that you have a fear, which is reasonable or credible. It's just the title of the screening mechanism. And these are conducted by asylum officers. If you pass that, if you get a positive review, as they call it, you then will eventually go on to get your hearing in front of an immigration judge where the judge sides, you qualify, you don't, you're deported or you're not. Well, that process might take up to like five years. I've seen it go as long as seven years. And the strangest thing about it is asylum officers approve these cases, reasonable fear, credible fear. They prove them almost on an average of about like upwards of near 80%, like 78% somewhere in there. However, immigration judges only approve about 15% of their cases. So these guys are proven 77%, but these dudes are proven basically 15%. And you go, you no longer have authority. These guys are now the adjudicators. You have a lot more people who don't deserve to be here coming in. And those cases are so full of fraud. They are so, so bad. But they're the only ones that are allowed. Sounds like a very intentional change. I I mean, if you can if you can look at it objectively and say, you know, hey, we've got the numbers to show what's going to happen if we move the power from A to B. 
there you go. I, I mean, they, they've got everybody yeah. that they need, a bunch of extra voters anytime they want to go ahead and uh, steal an election. We've got to take a break for the second half of the show. I want you to continue uh, sure. this uh, thought thread on the other side of the uh, of the break. Um, so we'll be right back after this. All right. Welcome back. Thank you once more to Aaron Stevenson for joining us tonight. Aaron, you mentioned that it could take up to five years for that approval process to take place. What happens in those intervening years? Is the defensive asylum seeker simply allowed access back into the United States? Are they held at a detention facility? Are there any restrictions on their movement? What happens to them? Oh, you're muted. Sorry. Yeah, they have freedom to roam. They have they have no no lockdown at all. As a matter of fact, they also get uh, rubber stamped because they're not allowed to deny it. Your work authorization card as well. So it's it's just it's so easy to see. It's like we know what you guys are doing. And by the way, asylum is a route to citizenship, which I, I still don't understand that process. Um, mm-hmm. I think it takes about two to three years to adjust to an LPR, and then five years after that, you can adjust to become a naturalized U.S. citizen which means you get all the things that you're talking about voting and uh, every extra right you can get. So um, that was a major like, okay, guys, I know what you're doing. Like, so this is a thing where it's like, and, and people at work, we, we all know that that, that organization Rayo is shady. We, we, we talk trash about them all the time, mm-hmm. but like no one stands up to them. And I was just like, you know, screw it. This is it. it this is either I can say nothing at all. And watch this just come a thing. And then just, I mean, five, 10 years later, we all know where it's going to lead to or speak up, say something. And I, this point in time, I was like, well, if I say it undercover, I really, because again, there's still no project Veritas on Twitter. There's still no James O'Keefe on Twitter. So if I, I decided, if I show my face and name, it at least gives some more, maybe something for people to understand it with. And I was like, all right, guys. Yeah. So I was like, guys, uncover me. I'll do it. I'll do it. It's important. Um, and this rule, by the way, is still being held up right now by uh, Texas. Uh, Attorney General Ken Paxton uh, took an accord over it. Hopefully he wins. I hope people understand how severe it is. Like, So please support them. Whatever you got to do, if you guys can, I would really appreciate that. Um, and hopefully they win because this is going to be a bad deal. Um, and it gets worse, too, the more you kind of like... There's like second order, third order effects. Okay. So you have a lot of you know people in the system now trying to get defensive asylum. And that means they got to hire a bunch of new immigration officers. They, they're hiring about a thousand new asylum officers. Well, the work sucks and the workload sucks. So like right now they have to do like three cases per day. They, and those cases take about three hours each. And if you, if you approve a case, it's fine. It's out the door. They get their thing. But if you deny a case, you have to get approval from your supervisor, which makes no sense at all. You think it'd be backwards. If you deny it, it's denied. If you approve it as, you know, get second hand review, but it's the opposite. Well, so again, the work sucks. It's very stressful. They're not getting help. They're not getting, you know, support really from even from their own, uh, their own union. And it's making a lot of people quit is people are going like, I don't want to do this. I'm working through my lunch every single day. I can't take time off. I can't, their work life is just not, you know, it's not what it used to be. And as a fed, it's very comfortable. So you're getting very seasoned veterans might just be like, no, we're done. I'm done with this job. I'll go somewhere else. So they're all leaving, but now they got to fill those spots and this additional thousand but they're not exactly getting your typical legacy asylum officer. Most asylum officers are actually lawyers or they're at least, you know, educated in some parts of the law with immigration law. They're getting people off the street almost, and they're getting very, very low quality people that don't understand it. And even them right now, they, they quit during training or they try to get moved to a different job. Once they see like how bad this work is, they're trying to get the hell out of there. So it just shows you, it's like, 
Well, you, if you guys hit the post office and how, how bad that can be with the DMV, it's going to be the same type of quality when it comes to, you know, asylum, which is going to be a straight route to citizenship. So add in diversity, equity, and inclusion to the hiring process, and you've got a real problem. Take a look, anybody who's watching, take a look at at South Africa. That's the future of America. That's what we're headed for right now if we're hiring based on uh, anything other than merit when it comes to these positions. And of course, I mean, I can understand why they would want to quit. I can understand why they would think it was a crappy job. I mean, the the way that it's set up, uh, you know, it it rewards people for just flying through these caseloads as quickly as they possibly can. You know, I don't know if anybody here has ever known someone who was a, a social worker that had to deal with people who are applying for benefits on a daily basis. Those are some of the saltiest people I have ever met because you either love social work, you love the public service, and that's why you get into it, or you take that job because you can't get hired anywhere else, and therefore you hate it, you hate the work, you hate the interaction with the people, and it's sad. I, I you know, I, I, can, I can understand how these people would be frustrated with what they're doing. Yeah, and even then the caseload, though, the way they have to operate the cases. So it, first off, it's all testimony. So let's say, for example, um, if, if you were to tell me, sorry, if I was to tell you, let's say I'm the alien, you're the asylum officer, and I was like, yo, don't send me back home. I've been tortured. You know, a very logical question to ask is like, oh, you've been tortured? Wow, you must have scars. Can I please see your scars? Not right. a question. They can't do that. You and can't they, ask they, for everything proof? Is based off, not like that. So everything is based off testimony. And once they make us uh, honestly a specific claim, which I'm not going to say it right now because I don't want it to spread. If they make a specific claim, it's basically like, all right, cool. They get they get through to the next round. We're not even going to double check anything else. We're going to go through with this thing. And um, there's a few other things too, but it's oh, well, there's also major patterns people see of what works because these people are all coached and they really are sure. And I'm not going to say that not every asylum seeker is not legit. There are there are some definitely. And yeah, I would love to make sure that they get their help for it. Problem is, I would say 90% of these people are fraudulent. And they are, you can see the patterns develop over time. Like all of a sudden, a lot of stories go from, you know, oh, my, my, you know, my, I'm gay. And now that's protected class. Oh, no. Oh, we're trans. And now from this month, this month, you see a lot of trans. The next month, it's, you know, oh, no, we're, we're being sought after because of our politics. Well, what are your politics? Uh, the ones that are being, you know, punished. And so it's like, it's just testimony, which they just kind of, again, they rubber stamp through. There's no real attempt to understand the problem, to combat the problem, let alone, you know, go further with it. So it's upsetting. So what was what was the reaction at work when you came out publicly? Uh, where, was there anybody patting you on the back uh, or did you immediately get a sense that uh, there was a, a cold wind blowing through your office? <laughs> so I'm not going to. Yeah, you know, I, I open kimono. Uh, first week, I took off. I took off sick leave. I was just like, I'm not gonna go to work. I can't do it. I don't want to do it. I'm not doing it. So I took a week off. Said I had COVID. Um, and then I come back the next week, and I was actually working outside of DC this time. So I go into that office, which was still USCIS, and all of a sudden, like you know, my badge doesn't work anymore. I can't get in the door. So I was like, <laughs> not doing it today. Turned right around, went back home, teleworked. And then uh, a guy that day, he emailed me. He's like, "Hey, heard that you like your badge didn't work. You want to come in tomorrow and like get it fixed?" And I was like, "All right, I will do that." So I go in. I get. In, I was going early in the morning, and um, on the way in, like the security guard sees me, and he's like, "Okay, let's you know do your back check, whatever." And as I'm walking past him, he was like, "Hey, that was pretty cool." And I was well, like, "Oh, sweet. thanks, man. You know, that means a lot." 
yeah, got a new badge, got it all synced up. It's all good and great. And then like one by one, people kind of keep coming over and they're like, dude, that was pretty cool, man. I can't believe you did that. And then some people are like, no, that was cool, man. But like, is that career suicide? Like what's going to happen now? And I was like, I'll see. Like, I don't know, but we'll find out. Right. But that was really about it. And then people, they were told though, like, don't talk to me anymore, which is fine. Yeah. And I don't, I don't, I'm not mad at those people. Cause like, I understand you got a job too. I don't want you guys get in trouble. But then I had to go back to DC eventually. And so I'm back in DC and my first day in, and this is people that I've been knowing for like years now. So I haven't seen them in about a, actually more than a year because before that was the government lockdown during COVID. So I haven't seen these people in about two years now. And I walk in and it's like, I'm not going to hide my face to it. So, you know, Hey guys, how are you doing? And people are just kind of like, Holy shit. Is that him? Like he's, Hey, Look at hey dude. Balls on that guy. <laughs> and it was, it was nice though, because a couple guys gave me that, like, you know, like, what's up, dude? You know, that was cool. That's, that's but good. a lot of them did not. So the majority of people that worked in DC, they were not about it, which is look at the, look at the area. You kind of get it. Of course. Um, I will say, I will say though, that like my colleagues, they were professional. Like they didn't like, you know, ask about anything crazy. And even my first line, second line, my supervisors, they were great. They were, you know, they didn't ask about it. They didn't try to push on it. And that wasn't my take either. I got a lot of offers to do a lot of TV after that and like radios. And I was like, no, I'm not an advocate. I am a whistleblower. I'm not here to push a certain thing, but I, I, American needs to know what's going on. That's, you know, so I think we're all kind of understanding, like, you know, this is, we're being cool about it. Um, but then after that, uh, Project Veritas released another story about Afghan terrorists coming in and how mm-hmm. basically DHS just missed, missed vetting so hard on dozens. I'm talking literally probably over 50 or so tier one terrorists. That doesn't mm-hmm. include all the tier twos and then all the, just the bad guys in general as well. There's, there's several hundred to which, well, I was their source on that. And I told the guy at PVM, like, dude, you understand, like, I, you know, you can't not leave a trail. Like once you guys lose a story, they're going to check, they're going to know it's me. And they were like, you know, well, what do you think about that? And I was like, I'm already getting fired, dude. So I'm not saying don't do it. I was already, also this time I was already in investigation. So it's <laughs> like, you have to understand, like, this is it. Like, I know they're going to, you know, not be cool with this. So PB releases the story. Next day, I get an email saying, because we were on mostly telework. Next day, mm-hmm. I get an email saying like, hey, Aaron, uh, be here on Friday at 9 a.m. That's <laughs> just like, <laughs> all right, I know what it is. So sure thing, boss, see you then. And so I go in there on Friday and, um, you know, they just take me right to this little conference room and they were being cool. They were professional. They had like five guys in there and um, they read me out. They were like, you know, you're going to finish this investigation. You can't go to work anymore. You can't log into any system anymore. You will now be on telework. We'll tell you what's, what comes next. And you have to log in every day. And your job will be to look up like open source information on um, like basically shady immigration attorneys. And I was like, okay, I know what that means. Don't do anything else. And I, you know, I, but I still have to log in every day. Mm-hmm. And I did that. Um, I did that for uh, a few months. And then in late October, I had to come in again and they were like, all right, we finished, finished our investigation. And, you know, these are the results. The results are I've recommended to, you know, fire you. This has to be approved by the official authority. You've got like 14 days to respond. You've got, they've they got 30 days to decide. And that's where it's at. And then this is where life took a, a crazy change. So the next day, um, I don't want to say it because it's, it's very family personal, but someone who's very close to my children had a stroke and they've been comatose ever since. So my kids don't live in the same state as me. So I flew out there right away to be with them and I kind of take care of them. And this is the day after I got told I'm getting fired. So I hit my attorney. I'm like, listen, dude, like I am not in the spot right now to take care of this. Like I got to be with my kids. I got to take care of them. Like I'm just, 
I'm not there anymore with you guys. So please take care of this. And he did, he, you know, hit him up. They asked for an extension and, you know, work, they were cool. Work gave me an extension. And then, um, that went through to whenever, but then basically on February 10th, um, I had my final sit down where I was read like, you know, okay, you've now been removed from federal service. Um, like the big thing was like, you know, we can't trust you anymore. You've shown a pattern of like, you know, whatever, but the, so there's two parts that always made me feel better about it. First off, when I met Tara Rodas, um, again, she was the HHS whistleblower about child trafficking within the the program. You know, we made, we talked a lot and we still talk every day, pretty much. And we go through this program. We're trying to really kind of stop it with the child trafficking. And I asked her, I'm like, Tara, please tell me though, that like, you know, you saw this information because she got the information from my story. So she saw it and she kind of started going through it. And I asked her like, please tell me though, that like, you guys got some kids out of this program. Like you guys identified, you know, because of this, like you identified children that were being trafficked and you guys pulled them out to a different thing. She was like, we did. And I was like, all right, Amen. that's worth it. Make you know, one kid. It. I'm down with that. Yeah. And I'm yeah. sure there's others too, hopefully, but it's like, it's good enough for me. I'll, I'll take the, that win forever and I'll take it right now. But then the second part was, and this is actually in the paperwork and that paperwork was thick. Like they're, they're firing notice to me. Um, it said in there that I was uh, not careful with the identities of asylum seekers that were a protected class, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, you guys don't get it. Yeah. You, you guys still call them asylum seekers. Like I, these are sex traffickers. Like, and I'm sorry. Like I, that's why I wasn't careful. I told PV like, no, you don't need to cover their face. You can uncover their face because you know, if, if someone sees them on the street, if the kid sees this thing somehow, they might, but no, like do not cover their face. I'm okay with that one. And so when work said that, it's like, all right, well, what, what, what was I going to do? Go back to work and still work for these people. It's like, there, there's no way at all. It's just, it ain't going to happen. So I felt actually good after that because I still recognize that I was on the right side. And also um, my work never called me a liar and they didn't call me wrong. And so I was like, all right, I, I think we all know what's going on here, guys. You guys are insanely corrupt. Absolutely. And that's that. <clears throat> And so the, Aaron, the let me ask you this. To, go ahead. No, you, you finish that thought and then I'll ask. I was going to say the person that actually gave me my firing notice, um, she's, she really is a good person. She's been there for a while as well. And like, she's, you know, she understands the problems with immigration, but the problem is like so many other people inside of this world, they know it, but they'll also still do their job because again, mm-hmm. it's a great job. It's so comfortable as you get great benefits, you get time off, you get, you know, a great paycheck but it's like, yeah, but you guys are really going to tell me that it's worth it? Like what we're actually doing? Like, you know, it's wrong. You know, the American people are being lied to. Then I had a lot of different things about just immigration. So it's like, I'm sorry, guys. Like this, I I don't blame you. And I don't think I'm better than them. But it's like, you guys got to start. And I will say this very loudly. And if you don't want to be a whistleblower, fine. But like start leaking things out. Because we know yeah. what happened. If, if this is any other, if Trump came back in or any other type of person, which, you know, you may feel politically aligned with, you know, what's going to happen again. The the state will operate against him. Once mm-hmm. like, guys, have some courage, start operating against the state the same as that way, because this is where we're at right now. And either you're going to be complicit or you're going to start fighting back. And there's a lot of ways you can fight back, get creative. But, you know, sorry, go on. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, this is something that needs to happen. And I think the reason we find ourselves in this position is because so many people have just decided to sit back and do nothing, say nothing. It is a cushy job. I mean, it's excellent benefits. Who wouldn't want a big fat salary with a bunch of paid days off and, uh, you know, uh, easy and, and quick and low cost medical insurance? It's a wonderful thing. And not many people have it. And it's a really fine line between 
choosing to say nothing and being responsible for those things that happen because of that. You know, I mean, like there is any number of things that people could be speaking out about that are happening currently in the federal government. And all it would take would just be a a small organized effort, a, a, a group of people from a single department to come forward and say, hey, you know, this is something we are all concerned about. And then legislators would maybe have to say something. It would have to start paying attention. Let me ask you this, Aaron, were you able to fill out any type of official disclosure, like reported to the IG, or have you spoken with any legislators, any Republicans that might be looking into this now in the new House? Because, I mean, I would say so this I'll, would be perfect for some congressional testimony. Yeah, so while I was still in, and um, again, I talked about it at work, talked about it a bunch of people at work, and not even just my own little USCIS, but throughout DHS. So people where they do have you know, strong authority to do this, and it was a big fat nothing burger. They just like, no, no, we gotta, you know, it's not my job. And so the next route would be go to the inspector general. And I'm not going to say that their mission is worthless. However, I know the result. I'm going to go to them six months later. They're going to come back and write a report saying exactly what I told them and nothing's going to happen. That's why I decided to go to the media. And by the way, so this is the great part too. Cause I already, you know, I was already talking to Paris Veritas saying that I'll come to you guys when I find stuff, but just, just out of curiosity, I decided to hit up Washington Post and CNN because they are both in Washington, DC. So I did the, the same, news. you know, I did an anonymous tip. Yeah. Did an, did an anonymous tip. And I just said, you know, this is what's going on. I didn't say my name, obviously, but like, this is my agency. I told them USAIS, this is the program. This is what's happening. This is yada, yada. Please look into it. And I've kept that account active. I've still not received a response. And this is back in 2021. So about two years ago wow. now. So it's like, I get it, guys. I understand. Um, so yeah, that about nothing. Now, as far as legislatures, um, federally, no. So I know Tara has spoken with a couple legislatures. I've reached out to two of those as well. Um, and I also reached out to Texas as well. And I think there's a, be a much better, uh, response if it comes from state legislatures mm-hmm. and maybe, maybe this Republican Congress can do something. I'm not gonna lie to you. I have my doubts. Um, only because I've, you know, I was in DC and I understand I've had, I have friends that were part of the legislature and then how they, you know, how they work. Cause there's actual jobs there too. Mm-hmm. And, um, no, I don't think they're going to do much to be honest. Um, and by the way, I'm also saying that knowing what happened in 2016, 2016, when there was a Republican Senate, still Obama's still the president, this is in January, there was a Senate hearing talking about child trafficking in the HHS unaccompanied children program. It was a Senate hearing. Um, and I watched that, I watched the entire thing and they, uh, they did their, you know, the senators up there and it was, it was bipartisan. They did their, you know, bring in two people from HHS and they, you know, they talked sternly at them, asked them questions. Then they brought in after that, uh, three witnesses, um, two of them worked for nonprofits and they were like, you know, they gave their testimony and it was more moving and it was like, oh, wow, this is a sincere story. And then they're asking like, you know, well, what, what should we do? What can happen? And they were adamant on saying like, no, no, we can fix this guys. Like our nonprofits, we can fix this business here. We can make sure that these kids don't get trafficked. You know, just give us the money, give us more just money, more money. And they got, they, <laughs> and they got a lot more money and wow. nothing happened. If anything, it just, it grew and it got more. Um, and that's by the way, a real thing. So can I also point out one more thing, by the way, it's absolutely, like, I, I like data. All right. I like data. So there's two ways to get a child who's not yours in the country. Uh, one of them is you can 
adopt them, like an international adoption. You go to a foreign country and you're like, I want to adopt a child. And you go through this, this process and it is long and it is burdensome. And there are so many checks, so much oversight costs so much. It costs like 30 grand to get a kid could take Mm -hmm. up to like five years. And there's foreign authority as well. And there's a bunch of legislation everywhere saying like, this is how it runs. Then you have this unaccompanied child process takes about 30 to 40 days, costs you nothing. And there is zero effort. There's zero background checks. It goes through like no problem at all. So back in 2012, the numbers for this was about, I think there was around 8,000 or so international adoptions. And in FY 2022, there was 1,785. So a decrease of around 85%. 2012 for unaccompanied children, there were around 12 to 13,000 of these. And last year, there was 128,000. That's an increase of 828%. Or 846%, I think it is. So it's like, you can see what's going on. It's like, okay, guys, we we understand what the problem is, but who's willing to do it, though? I, I'm, I'm a bit jaded on it, but I don't believe a federal response is the right way to go. Because on top of that, you still have, okay, cool. You know, what are you guys going to do? Make a new law that says don't traffic children? It's like, well, we already, we already have those. Yeah. So now how do you enforce it? And this is where the problem is. This is the administrative state. Because they will take that law and just start hacking away at it with rule changes. And they say, like, mm-hmm. okay, we're going to collect information differently. Okay, we're going to create a new information portal to manage cases. Oh, we're going to change investigative authorities and, you know, give some new, you know, measurements for them. Oh, we're, and they just start, I mean, bit by bit by bit, they hack away at it. And that's the major problem with it. So I do have hope that there can be a change in that, but I don't want to rely on that. I would much rather see state legislatures start taking real authority. And I think one thing, and I don't know how they're going to do it, figure it out, guys. You're smarter than me. But Millions of people every day are reaping the health benefits of using cannabis oil, also known as CBD. This new product derived from hemp has fascinated doctors and scientists around the world for its powerful effects on the human body. If you are in need of alternative methods for health empowerment, please visit www.naturalhempoil.com. That's www.naturalhempoil.com. CBD is now legal in over 40 states, and our products are non-psychoactive and contain less than 0.3% THC levels. We also offer products for household pets, NaturalHempOil.com does not claim to treat cancer, PTSD, epilepsy, anxiety, insomnia, joint pain, eczema, or any chronic condition that you may have been diagnosed with. Please consult with a doctor before you take CBD. Results may vary, so give our natural CBD a try at www.NaturalHempOil.com. That's www.NaturalHempOil.com. Energy bills are rising at a historic rate, and there's no end in sight. That's why tens of thousands are using this amazing little device from SavePowerBills.com. It's a small but smart gadget that stabilizes electrical currents, reduces dirty electricity, and helps protect your electronics. Just plug it into your home's wall outlet to help lower energy consumption and ultimately help reduce your power bills every month. Order now to get 65% off plus many free bonuses before they sell out by going to SavePowerBills.com. That's SavePowerBills.com. Order now. 
Energy bills are rising at a historic rate, and there's no end in sight. That's why tens of thousands are using this amazing little device from SavePowerBills.com. It's a small but smart gadget that stabilizes electrical currents, reduces dirty electricity, and helps protect your electronics. Just plug it into your home's wall outlet to help lower energy consumption and ultimately help reduce your power bills every month. Order now to get 65% off plus many free bonuses before they sell out by going to SavePowerBills.com. That's SavePowerBills.com. Order now. Violent crime across the U.S. has skyrocketed. Between mass shootings, homicides, kidnappings, burglaries, and carjacking, it's never been more vital to learn how to protect yourself. This is why tens of thousands are choosing the Fighter Flare Flashlight. The Fighter Flare Flashlight includes an ultra-bright 800-lumen light, powerful strobe lighting modes for self-defense, a glass-breaking hammer, a built-in power bank, solar-powered recharging, rope and wire cutter, siren, high and low LED lighting modes, and much more. Simply place your order now to get 66% off along with many other free bonuses before they sell out by going to www.fighterflare.com. Order now at www.fighterflare.com fighterflare.com A human catastrophe is closing in. Nobody knows how far this one is going to go. You can feel the heat as tension is rising globally. War is expensive. Open a Noble Gold Investments IRA today, and you can claim a free 3-ounce silver American virtue coin. Just use the promo code GOLD. Go to noblegoldinvestments.com now. This performance may not be indicative of future results. Investing in precious metals, including gold, involves risks. Consult with your tax attorney or financial professional before making an investment decision. But they've got to start taking jurisdiction over these cases. If you defederalize like trafficking and like how it, mm. you know, how the, the investigations happen, I think that could be a great added benefit. And I think the biggest thing that you could really do is ensure the information sharing exists to where if a state law enforcement agency, a county, a sheriff, a cop, if they start an investigation on child trafficking and they find out that kid is anywhere inside of any federal program or anything at all, they are required by law to instantaneously get all information. Where this is like, yep, here's our system. Here's every piece of paper we have on the kid. Here's every interview. Here's every everything. If you could do that, you would see this. It would slow down a lot. And then you'd you'd develop more problems. Because then like, okay, well, then New York and California and Illinois, blue states will be blue. And they won't enforce it. So you'll basically kind of like centralize trafficking to certain localities. It's like, all right, but that's one measure we can do. We can fight that thing later. We can figure it out. Because it's everywhere. It's in every single state. And... Mm -hmm. You know, it's the hardest part is is to accept it because it is the worst. Like hearing the stories, it's it 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 it's hard. Like it really weighs on you, and it makes the work almost like unbearable. Which I understand because you know the people who do this are absolute angels. I think they're heroes, but they need more help. And I think if you give them that, I think they'll continue doing the job, and you might inspire more to come out and help out, and you know, kind of go from there. All right. Well, so, yeah. Aaron, uh, and anything else that you want to make sure we hit on before I open up the the phones for the audience to call in and ask any questions? Um, try not to feel helpless. Obviously, um, that's one thing that people tell me is like you know, like I know there's a problem, and some people are just too busy, and no, just no judgment. You know, life's crazy. Um, but some people just say to me like you know, well, I have no idea what to do. And it's like I don't know. <laughs> don't tell me. You know, but. I think one thing that we could start doing more is, you know, talk to your friends about what's going on, talk to your family, what's going on, build that local politics. Right. But also mm-hmm. like really engage local media. Cause my biggest problem, and, and honestly guys like you, like, I think you guys are way bigger, way more important than you realize right now, because people are starting to understand that corporate media is not it's corporate media is state media. I just, I don't mm-hmm. call it corporate media anymore. There's no such thing as, you know, so, you know, Nope, that's the federal government. I don't care. Um, yeah. please don't rely on them to make the story relevant. 
Like, you know, so New York Times came out with an article about child trafficking. Oh, my gosh. There's, there's labor trafficking going on. And they write about it, and they completely they completely rewrite what's going on. Like, yeah, this is mm-hmm. happening. Yeah, that's sad. Yep, some kids died. Problem is, what they don't talk about is that 100 kids that got busted in that meat that meat plant, whatever yeah. it was, they don't talk in the story of what happens next to those children. Okay, by law, what happens next? Those kids go straight back in the system at HHS, and they get re-sponsored out again. And it's like, okay, New York Times didn't write about that for a reason. But on top of that, two days later... You know, because Joe Biden came out and said, we're going to do a task force to look at this thing. They ran this complete puff piece on how it's going to happen. And that's state media doing their cover. So don't, please don't let, you know, these organizations like drive the narrative because all they're going to do is kill it off as they always do. Like I mean, yes. serious, guys like you, your your local media, um, creators like you, that's the important part. And that's, that's why I honestly will only talk to, you know, I think people that are truly authentic about this because- I don't want to talk to somebody and get lied about because they're just going to kill it off. So, sure. No, That's you're absolutely right. I, I I appreciate you saying that, and I totally agree with you. You know, I mean, you can take a look at the last five, six years, especially, well, maybe seven years now. Uh, but the the <laughs> the propaganda machine that has ramped up inside of the mainstream media is just out of control. And the only good aspect of it that I can uh, identify is that it is forcing people to wake up. You know, I mean, everybody is being told that their eyes are lying to them, that what they're seeing on the streets doesn't exist. You know, inflation isn't a problem. Uh, Unemployment isn't a problem. Homelessness isn't a problem. People streaming over the border isn't a problem. Okay, well, you know, the only problem is the people in America that are identifying these problems. That's according to the mainstream media. But it couldn't be further from the truth. I, I can I can only hope that some of these news organizations uh, will become bankrupt rather quickly because people choose not to support them. You know, I know that there are still people out there who subscribe to cable. Uh, I urge you to cancel your cable subscription. There is Please. nothing of va- there's nothing of value or virtue in your cable subscription. And even if you don't watch CNN by virtue of the fact that you are subscribing to Comcast or to Spectrum or something like that, you're supporting CNN. You support it. You're, yes, your yep. monthly payments go to pay the licensing fees so that they can keep MSDNC and CNN and even Fox News on the air. You can you can catch you can catch segments of Tucker for free on YouTube the next day, just like I do. And you don't have to pay for this stuff. You don't have to support them. And, and we have to bleed them dry. We need to take our money as patriots and put it into endeavors that actually support our virtues, our values, uh, the things that we hold dear. Because all of these organizations they're, they're spitting in our face on a daily basis. They're not interested yeah. oh. in in telling the truth. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. The one last thing. Uh, trafficking. This is because that's a government word, right? So just understand that whenever you have trafficking, um, there's two things to remember. One, it's got to be done by frost for, uh, sorry, force, fraud, or coercion. So the person's lied to. But secondly, the only outcomes in trafficking is one of two lanes. One is slave labor, and two is forced prostitution. Yeah. So- you know, people, we say trafficking, it's this like a professional word that is kind of dug into us. It's more palatable to hear it, I guess, but it's, they're, they're being lied to. And at the end they're getting, they become slaves or they become slaves for sex, which means rape. So yeah. it's really important to be able to just, you know, call it what it is. So, well, you know, and, 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 you know, just to add on to that, I mean, all of the children who are forced into the sex trafficking trade, 
Not all of them make it out. I mean, I, there is a fair number of them that just disappear, wiped off the face of the earth. And I'm sure that's because oftentimes they're either being murdered intentionally or they die at the hands of their captors uh, or they end up uh, being forced into a situation where maybe perhaps it's dangerous work and they die because of that. But I mean, there there is no yeah. good outcome that can come from children or adults even being trafficked. It's all the, the- as... Go ahead. The average li- the average lifespan of a person being trafficked is seven to ten years. So that kid that becomes a slave or a forced prostitute, seven to ten years later, they're going to be dead. So it's yeah. just like you know, and the average age for a sex trafficking victim is thirteen years old. So it's like you know, this so is seven the average years, age twenty. <laughs> they, exactly. they they're no longer of value to the uh, to the trafficker because they're no longer a child. Exactly. So it's important to understand that. All right. All right. We've got our uh, our first caller on the line. It's actually a, a, a fellow uh, independent journalist, Tommy Tatum News. Tommy, it's so good to see you, buddy. We're just waiting on your audio to connect. How you doing tonight, Tommy? Hey, man, how are you doing? Doing good. Uh, let me turn on this audio real quick. Uh, sure. I'm sitting here with Gary McBride, and we just got back from the J6 digital hey. that we did. Yeah. Gary, I was I'm just on. I was just talking about Gary yesterday. I appeared on on Amp News, and we were talking about the video from January sixth. And I said, "Hey, you got to go to my friend Gary at M Five News's website because he's been going over this video for the last two years. Good stuff." Yeah. So look, we don't want to be rude. We just literally walked in. I caught your show on the air, but uh, so we don't want to be rude to your guests. But uh, we do want to set up a time where Gary can come on and talk with you one night about exactly what you're talking about right now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're talking about the uh, uh, Aaron Stevenson. He's the Project Veritas whistleblower uh, oh. who uh, blew the whistle on uh, on, on government sanctioned human trafficking and, uh, and immigration stuff. So yeah, he's a hero here. Well, uh, you know, that's it's uh, you know how God works in mysterious ways. I I, I know that uh, that's human trafficking is one of my passions. If January sixth had never happened, that's what I'd want to be working on. Certainly. But uh, and I know it was the same way. Yeah. So uh, you know, it's it's awesome that. Uh, that, that he's worked on that. And uh, we saw uh, James O'Keefe at CPAC a couple weeks ago. So it was just, it's funny. But uh, yeah, well, Gary, do you want to say something real quick? No. No. Sure. <laughs> Look, just say, hi to, just say hi to everybody and we'll, and we'll get with Zach and set up a time for you to come on. Hey, What's Jack, up, Gary? What's up? How are you, brother? Good I'm doing well. You. Doing well. And this is Aaron Stevenson, Project Veritas. Nice Bishop. to meet you. All right. You as well. So yeah, Gary, I, 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 you know, when the show gets over, I'll give you guys a call and we can get everything set up. I'm, I'm happy to have you back on. Sounds good. Thank you, sir. All right, brother. All right, we'll see you. Yeah, well, let's get back with the other callers. All right, man. Take it easy. Thanks for calling in. Appreciate you. All right, man. Thank you. All right. God bless. We'll see you. Peace. Okay. Next caller. I, I think this is DJ. DJ, right, is that well, you? Yes, it is. Okay. Good. Good. I thought you were still talking to these guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a slight <laughs> delay, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Listen, I don't really have much to say today. I just have one question. Is there any fucking uh, government agency that actually works for us? Oh, yeah, that's I mean, a good we're, question. We're paying all this money. We're paying Aaron, all this money. Yeah, Aaron, uh, you know, it's, it seems like, uh, you know, you're guaranteed to fail no. upwards once you get into uh, federal service. All right. So when it comes to like full on answer, I would say no, but I want to caveat that there are plenty of feds that are, you know, are good people. It's just that again, the job is very comfortable. Um, but there are other 
other parts of government as well that I know exist. For example, there's the Office of Trafficking in Persons, OTIP. Um, mm-hmm. Problem is, they receive like, I'm talking like maybe $20 million a year to do their job. And then even then, they get hacked to bits overwards. But otherwise, no. So it, let, let's talk about immigration. So USCIS, no. Um, but even when you think like Border Patrol, right? Their job is to literally block the, you know, between the ports of entry, make sure no one comes in illegally. However, uh, their leadership is completely corrupted. So the agents mm-hmm. themselves, a lot of good dudes. And yeah, probably a couple of shady ones because people are people. But the leadership itself, definitely not. Uh, there is so much of the of the government now, which just they work for the state. This is their thing. Um, that's why I don't like I, people understand this. You know, Joe Biden might be like the one signing bills and he, it's his name on the orders and stuff. And yes, he definitely is the president, but he's not no, a president. He's not. Like he's, he's not in charge. He's, he's not, not actually. He's, he's, he's a resident. I mean, he's, he's, it's a ceremonial title. Yeah. But you're absolutely he right, Aaron. I mean, exactly. <laughs> he doesn't work for me. It worked for me with a fight a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. The real problem <laughs> is the unelected bureaucrats of uh, yep. you know the, uh, the 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 administration that are you know in all of these federal agencies. My my master's is in public administration. I thought at one time that I was going to go into government. And I would have uh, you know enjoyed working there, but then I figured out how corrupt everything was and uh, and how stacked the deck is, and it, I just felt like it was fruitless and I could be of more use on the outside. Um, but this is, you know, a perfect example of why the federal government needs to be pared down. I, I agree with what you said earlier, Aaron, about uh, defederalizing all of these different functions and agencies, taking it back to the state level, because, you know, the, the, the state legislatures and uh, the bodies that we have in existence already, they could directly address things on an individual basis uh, that make a yeah. lot more sense. You know, when you're trying to uh, well, you know, fit 50 states and 50 different problems under the same banner. It's just something that's not going to work, and we can see that in action right now. Right, and every single yeah. jurisdiction that is only that is exclusively federal, I'm sorry, a they suck at it, but b it's no longer necessary because you have this thing called the internet, and you know you have these things called cell phones, and communication is a lot faster than it was in 1910, and the state mm-hmm. grew in 1930s under FDR to be able to manage. So no, there is no longer a real necessity for that at all. They, they just it doesn't need to exist. So. Yeah, I, I agree with Zach. I, with Zach, I, I think that uh, breaking up this federal monopoly on everything would be the greatest thing, sending everything back to the states. You know, I'm just going to ask you a question. Have you ever wondered that how every country around the world cannot agree on anything, but several countries agree exactly down to the T on what to do in Antarctica and how to not let anybody go up there? How does that happen? Uh, I've 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 often I've often wondered what's really going on down in in uh, in Antarctica. Um, you know, it's uh, it's similar to the day to day operations of uh, the United States government. You know, the uh, Republicans and Democrats, at least publicly, don't seem to get along or agree on very many things, but. Yeah. That's all for the cameras, you know. I mean, it's it's pomp and circumstance. It's it's a it's a it's a play. It's a television program that you're watching and that they're selling you on, uh, so that they can keep you focused on certain 
uh, cottage wedge issues, things that you can look to your neighbors to disagree with them on. And so there are talking points and headlines for the the propaganda programs on the mainstream media. Uh, as soon as the cameras are off, as soon as the doors close, and anytime they've got to come to an agreement or vote on a bill that uh, is is bad for the country, bad for the American people, or is good for their donors, they have no problem coming to an agreement on stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, I'm just going to leave you with something, Zach. Did you... Uh see this about what is it now i don't even know how you say this wimex Wim, womex woman i don't even know how to say it. it's woman spelled women spelled without the e it is an x in place it's like the months. latinx um, like latinx <laughs> is this yeah. a uh is this a, is, is this a they w- them thing <laughs> it's this it's w o m x n apostrophe s so I don't know what I don't know how to pronounce it, but anyway, whatever that word is, History Month, (laughs) West Hampton College University. They um, hold on a second. They took the 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 e out of out of out of the the word woman to be more inclusive. Right, right. So, so if you have a penis, so if you have a penis, you can be included, and you won't have to feel like you're excluded. I think it's an affront. I think it's an affront to humanity. I think it's a it's offensive to real women. And, uh, you know, I don't mind if somebody identifies as a, 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 the opposite uh, sex of, of what they were born as. You know, that's a personal thing. That's all about them. But for it to be thrust upon society in the way that it has for for women and their very specific and unique role to be erased, uh, I, I find that highly offensive. Yeah, I, I think that works. Same way. I put I put I put up two posts uh, about this. You know, they're just trying to erase women from existence. Yeah, I am yeah. I you know as you know, I'm a house music DJ. What you may mm-hmm. not know about house music is house music is very big with the gay community. Has always been big with the gay community. So you know, I'm not gay, but I would have no career. I would have had no career without gay people. So I don't. I never had a problem with gay people, but now. They are just trying, and I don't even think these people are really gay. I think they're just posers. That's that's my thought. I think these people are just a bunch of posers, just grifting, just just you know for a lark, you know. Sure, um, sure. Well, I put up two stories in two days. I couldn't believe it. And in each post, I, I was like, "Why are you women, you beautiful women? Why are you not fighting? Why do I not hear words from you? Someone, please explain to me." It's a thing they're doing just to create the division that you said earlier. So yep. it's just like, you know, okay, hey, hey, dogs, go chew on this bone for a little bit while we do everything else we're trying to do. While we keep funding Ukraine and trying to topple over the rest of, while we're trying to hold together the U.S. dollar. Oh, yeah, now go look at this trans thing, whatever. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. It's, it's Again, it's just more toys than to keep people on it, basically. Yeah, don't pay yeah, attention yeah. to what really matters. I'm sorry to get you guys off subject, but you know, I just, oh, you're fine. You're that. fine. Well, thank you for the call. Right, DJ. Guys. I appreciate it, brother. Yeah. As always, Zach, you know, we love you and we know you love us. God bless you guys. God bless America. And one final thing, snake Pliskin is staying in New York until this job is done. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Much love. We'll talk to love you soon. You, God bless. <laughs> 
good. Yeah, DJ's in New York, and I always have to joke with him about escape from New York. All right, we've got Rizza coming. Yeah, he's very brave. Rizza, go ahead and unmute, and uh, let's get your question for Aaron. Maybe there isn't one. Let's go ahead and take a look. Oh, Rizza, can you hear me? Rizza, are you there? Rizza? Sometimes, if people are calling in on the device that they're watching on, there is a conflict between the audio coming through the Zoom call and not coming through the um, the stream itself. So, we'll let Rizza hang out for a second while I go through some of these thank yous over on the Foxhole. And Rizza, if you do have the ability to speak, go ahead and just say, uh, pardon me, Elizabeth G says, have a great show. Thank you very much. Elizabeth Alley B, thank you for dropping that cookie. Uh, Beach Bum and Mermaid 13 says, I just subbed Zach. It's great to be back. I'm very happy to have you here. Thank you for the subscription. If you're over on the Foxhole, you can subscribe to the channel. It is a monthly donation that comes out of your gold pills, and obviously it supports my work as an independent journalist. Elizabeth G says, those methods proven that they don't work. Just Duckies, thank you for the cookie. Our Cloaked Unseen World says, Judges unable to know immigrants are terrorists is cynical and demanding our classified HIPAA-VAC status is criminal. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Elizabeth G says, Be brave and that you are, Aaron. Uh, Michelle Ann says, Zach, you are truly appreciated. Thank you. Uh, Beach Bum and Mermaid says, Fabulous show. Porpoiseful dropped a can. Inside Gino dropped a can. Just Ducky says, I can't wait to see what this world turns into when the devil is disposed of. The best is yet to come. Our Cloaked Unseen World says, AI versus God's greatest greatest gift of all imagination and created by God. Our spiritual souls were made nuclear. Checkmate AI. And then Just Another Patriot says, chocolate chip freedom cookie. Thank you very much for that. Also, uh, Low Country Brooklyn earlier on Rumble dropped a link to the marathon three-hour Twitter spaces, my very first Twitter space that I held earlier tonight, just before I started this program with Aaron. So if you're on Twitter, you can go listen to it. I'm actually going to see if I can download the audio and upload it to my Rumble channel. So if you don't have Twitter and you don't want to go there, you can hear it as well. Let's try one more time. Riza, are you there? Okay. I don't think that that's working, so we're going to put Riza into the waiting room. We can try that one again later. We've got Another caller coming in right here. Caller, you're on the air. Can we get your name? Caller, are you there? Watch. The the deep state has deep-sixed our Zoom meeting. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Caller, are you there? 8176, can you hear me? Yeah, uh, we're not getting anything. All right. Well, uh, let's uh, let's let that uh, I guess languish for a moment. Um, I saw some other Hello? people in the chat saying, "Yes, you're on the air. Can Hello? we get your name?" Lori. Lori, welcome to the program. What's your comment or question Thank for you. Aaron? Well, what is anybody doing about helping these children? Oof. Okay, so there are. There's a lot of groups out there that are, you know, combating trafficking. Um, you got guys, uh, Craig Sawyer, um, uh, Tim Ballard. There's uh, Tim Tebow's got a group. Problem is that it's it's, and this is not a bad problem, also. So you know, 
it's kind of decentralized, a little bit disjointed. So there's no like real central focus of effort, I think. However, yeah. that's not the worst thing in the world because then it can't be detected from one angle as well. However, um, that's what we're and trying to figure out right now. So, is anybody funding anything? Um, I'm not quite sure, to be honest. It's I think I think it's all kind of by nonprofit. It's kind of done by volunteers and done by whatever. So I know that I know that they do take in volunteers, by the way, too. So if you do have time in your month to donate to a group, it'd be good to do so um, because. I just started looking into. I, was, I reached. Out, I was reached out in DMs by a few people that were like, you know, they saw my story and they were talking about it. And we talked for a little bit about like domestic trafficking, like just American kids inside the foster system. That's like eight hundred thousand. Yeah, kids I was. I was kind of. I was one of those. I'm sixty two, and I was one of those. Oh gosh, are you serious? Yeah, I am. But yeah, I so mean... um, I'm not gonna <laughs> lie to you. The first thing what we're trying to do right now is basically make sense of it. Because when we talk about this government program, it just it gets complex. It's so boring. It is so dry, and it's it's not very palatable. Like it's hard for people to yeah. And it's it like and, it, you know, it's it's like they try to make it not really matter. That's what right. it feels like to me. I admit, yeah. it doesn't matter. So that's what I'm trying get to do over first. it, man. Walk it up. Yeah, that's what, that's what I'm trying to do first right now is make it palatable, make it digestible and consumable, so that way. Because I, I have no idea what the final result's going to be or the final response or response is. I'm just trying to, like, you know, make it make sense. Make it to where people don't just go, like, you know, this one's hard. It's more make it sound, like, quick and easy. People can adjust and go, like, okay, wow, yeah, we should do something about this. But then that's where we go from there. So I'm also trying to basically only organize right now with mom groups. Problem is, not being a mom, I don't know about these mom groups. I have no idea where they're at. However, I think that moms and women in general kind of are a better agent of change, especially about children. Because I've talked to women about this. I've talked to dudes about this. And I kind of get two different reactions. The guys say like, oh, man, that sucks. Oh, yeah. That's horrible. Women get pissed. And they really start going. They ask questions more of like, well, what, why? And they will really start trying to peel away and dig away at it. And a lot of them, way more than the dudes. And it's not, I don't know why. But they'll ask like, what can be done? How can this be solved? You know what? Because there actually is a difference between men and women. Right. No, no, I totally agree. Exactly, and their reactions. Right? Their reactions. So I'm trying to, yeah, so I'm trying to figure out how that's going to work because a lot of those are also disjointed. You got a lot of groups, uh, Moms for Liberty. There's, I'm sure, like other Patriot Mom groups. And I don't care if it's chapter by chapter I have to go to and visit, but it's like, I'll do it because that's the real agent of change. You will get a much more organic and heartfelt response, I think, as opposed to just, you know, always talking about it. And that's what I don't want to do is just, you know, be screaming on the street corner about this thing. I want to make sure that people actually at least know what's going on. So that way they can know what to do. It's kind of like being an intel analyst. I'll brief you and I'll maybe give you some like courses of action, but it's like, you're the, you're the commander. You got to make the call. What can you do? What do you want to do? How can you do this? Because we're all, you know, we're all products for our experiences. We can all see a problem differently. You know, I might want to go. Like the only thing I can, I can think of so far, honestly, to stop this program is it's got to be stopped. Okay, so how would I do that? I don't know. Go outside and just start yelling at them. Like I, I don't know how to address that problem. Would it be political? Oh man, would that's it be how I feel. Legislatures? <clears throat> right. So it's that's what I think we have to be up for that one. Because I'm a, I'm freaking nobody. I'm a seamstress. <laughs> yeah, but you're a human being. Yes, I am. 
You know, here's the yep. thing. At the end of the day, all of us uh, are, are nobody. You know, we're just a, a, a single voice in a crowd of billions of people. And I think that, you know, where we can gather strength is in numbers of people coming together and all demanding the same thing. You know, this is clearly a big problem. And I think that, you know, what you said earlier, they want you to just believe that it's no big deal. It, it's because people have been desensitized. They just kind of take it for granted that, well, you know, child trafficking, it's going to happen human trafficking it's going to happen and they're also just it's so distracted with oh it is it's terribly shocking uh, and people are just distracted with other things they care about the wrong issues you know where people out there fighting yeah. for the right to kill a baby okay you know people are out there fighting for the right for people oh, to yeah. come into the nation illegally and there are many many other things that they could be focusing their energy and attention on and you know it's sad to say but many people in the conservative movement they just don't have the time for devotion of their entire life to activism but if you could just choose a single issue devote a couple of hours a week to attempting to raise awareness or doing what you can just in your limited sphere of influence online uh, or, you know, on top of that, reaching out to your state legislature, to the uh, your, your federal uh, people as well, you know, make some noise. I actually and- do that. I do that regularly. I good, do that regularly. Good. I send them emails and I call them. But the thing, that, um, the thing that bothers me the most right now is the porn in the schools. It's. When you oh, yeah. listen to the moms reading the books that are in the schools, it's like, are you fucking kidding me? I'm sorry. Right. They had to. No, no, it's okay. It's, Seriously? If there's anything, if there's anything you're going to be passionate about, this is definitely one of those things. As a father, you know, I I could not have imagined that this type of pornographic material would have been available to my daughter, and it wasn't. So this is a relatively new phenomenon. The other day, Governor DeSantis was reading aloud from one of these books. There was a press conference, uh, kind of trying to uh, dispel the myth that Florida is just trying to ban books and therefore were Nazis. Uh, he stood in the podium uh, live on a number of different uh, television stations here in Florida, read from one of these books, <clears throat> and the, the stations had to cut away. They could not continue to yeah. allow him to say those words on air because it was so patently obscene. It's so obviously obscene oh my God, to when, anybody. I saw, one, I saw one the other day. There was a mother reading a book about a father and her seven-year-old daughter, and I won't even oh, repeat any of what the book was about. And I was like, are you, I, I was shocked. I was totally, totally shocked. And it's like, what happens if a, what happens if a 10 year old boy reads this book about what yeah. daddy did with a seven year old and what's the 10 year old boy going to do with a seven year old sister? It's like, wait a minute. This has to fucking, I'm sorry. This has it's to okay. stop. It has to stop. It does. It well, does. That's the and, thing you, you know, care about most. You know, we're wrong with that. If that is your thing, start fighting it. Go to start going to school board meetings. You know, even if you don't have any school age children, you know, uh, go there, speak on this. Uh, you know, find instances of this stuff that are available to children in your area, and uh, and start shining a light on it. I mean, that's the only way that people are even going to find out because nobody's going out and looking for this stuff. Some people are, but the vast majority of people are just trying to. Uh, uh, Keep their bills paid, trying to make sure that car notes paid, make sure their mortgage is intact, make sure they got food in the fridge and on the table for those kids and that they're making their way to and from work every single day. You know, and make no mistake, the the, the hectic uh, nature of our modern day lives uh, are intentionally 
produced it in that fashion so that we just don't have the time yeah. to address all this stuff. But once you understand that it's there, you know, most good people cannot sleep understanding just how depraved this world is and the way that they are oh intentionally trying to destroy society, destroy the family, uh, destroy virtue and morality. Uh, we have to hold those things dear and we have to fight for them. Listen, I am so thank you so much for your call tonight. It was a great call, uh, but um, we got to go on to the next one. Awesome. Thank you so much for talking to me. Absolutely. Have a great night. All right. Next caller, you're on the air. Can we get your name? This is Aaron Moriarty. Aaron, it's so good to hear from you, brother. How you doing? If I was doing any better, I'd be Red Pill 78, the corruption detector. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. I got to say, your guest has a great first name. Yes, he does. I can agree with you. Thank you. <laughs> also, thank, thank God for him and for people like him doing the things they're doing. I year many many years ago, I was working at a daycare in Minnesota, and on the news there was a story about uh, a, another daycare somewhere else in Minnesota that uh, the the kids were claiming they were being abused by the teachers. And I was like, what? That was the first time I ever even heard that this was something. I had no idea about this scourge. And I was horrified. <clears throat> and what happened was, a few months later, they came back on the news and said, well, uh, the kids were found to be just making up stories and, and everything's okay. And I remember feeling this sigh of relief Years later, after I, you know, uh, our favorite Anon and all the digging, there are lawyers that go around the country and get the pedos off. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. And certainly it's, it's a huge problem. You know, a, a few years ago when, when everyone was having these um, rallies, I had a small rally up here, Save the Children rally. And on one of my signs, it said, stop human trafficking, stop child trafficking, stop child uh, satanic ritual abuse. And I got so, um, these couple ladies came up to me and they were badgering me for having that on my sign. They're like, well, that, that doesn't happen very often. I said, if it happens once, it's too much. What are you talking about? So, yeah, it was an eye-opener, but people need to know about this. That's that's the first thing. It's so easy to think that it's not happening and to, to – it, 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 your mind doesn't want it to be true. Right. So Can the, I the add people, Sure, sure. Yeah. So that's one important thing to understand, though, too, is, you know, because it is it, – being in numbers makes it easier, right? Because we're surrounded by support everywhere else. I don't think we're ever going to have like a 50 plus one, you know, where there's all these people that are with us trying to stop this. Because as Zach was saying, like, you know, we have busy lives. We have whatever. As people don't know about these things. I don't think we'll ever get a plurality. We're going to have a very small focused effort. But that's, I think that's more impactful because if people truly care about it, those are the guys you want next to you and women. Those are the people you want next to you that truly are mm -hmm. going to be doing things, not just relying on like, you know, a group effort where, you know, these 10 people over here might not even care at all. And it's like, Hey, make sure you guys do this rally. And then they don't. Right. So mm -hmm. it, it's, it's kind of sucks to know that, but it's like, 
It's also good to know that because now you know that when you are dealing with allies and people that actually care about this, they're true. They're real. Mm-hmm. They're not going to just like give up when it gets kind of hard. So mm-hmm. that's that yeah. too. Uh, also, when, when Trump was president, there was so much movement in this area too. It was so, so refreshing and so, so heartwarming. And it gave you hope that, that things were going to turn around. And uh, Here's what I hope. With all this technology we have, they can see through apartment buildings from space. They can see all the people and what they're doing. If they see someone doing something to a child, zap them from space. Zap that person. You know, I would support yeah. that. Yeah, it's a it's a good use of uh, rods of God. <laughs> yeah. <All right. laughs> Well, Aaron, Aaron, I told everybody on Truth Social the other day that they should, or maybe it was Twitter, I don't know, but that they should follow you on Rumble because your YouTube channel got deleted. you want to tell everybody where they can find you? Yes, it's TruthQuest Aaron Moriarty on Rumble because we're just down range of strange where the outrageous is contagious and the paranormal is the new normal. And I should be doing live shows in probably... By the end of the month, I have to get a new computer, as you know. Our good friend Bruce Wayne has been kind of helping me out there, too. And Mike the Fireman is going to help me out as well. So hopefully I'll be up and running soon and back on the airwaves helping out with everything. Good stuff. I'm glad to hear it. Well, if there's anything else that I can do to help, you just let me know. You've already done so much. I think I'm going to get that Mac Mini that you sent me. And and thank you so much for sending me that uh, Sure. That um, display, that's that's incredible. Uh, Thank you so very you much. You, you are a, a, a gentleman and a scholar, and, and your guest, uh, man, thank you for doing what you're doing, and I hope that everything yeah. works out well, and, and I hope that your kids are okay. And, uh, wow, peace in. We we'll love you, brother. Thank you so much. Appreciate you, Aaron. We'll love see you. All right, next caller. Caller, you're on the air. Can we get your name? Yeah, my name's McDewey. McDewey, welcome to the program. What's your uh, question or comment for Aaron? Hey, Eric. I appreciate you, man. Look, you. us men out here, we're, we're not uh, we're, we're not what you're thinking we are. We're here to help, and if we got to go bust into these compounds that got the children, we're here. If the feds ain't going to do it, we as Americans need to do this. So I, I'm just saying we're, we're here. Uh, we're very capable, and uh, we need to take care of this as a community. That's the biggest part of the community. Like I, I still think the low, the lowest threshold of the ground, the lowest thing in the ground is going to be the the most active, but also the most efficient and the quickest to get it done too. Like um, the previous caller talked about more of like you know a higher end, you know, bigger government type thing. I, I'd rather have a cop kicking in a door because the right. cop knows the community, I agree. The cop knows the area, right? If we got to take care of these children, because I, you know, I've seen I've seen way too much. Uh, yeah. This, this is this is intolerable, and and we being Americans should not allow this to happen. I know, and especially at the uh, 
and it's just because it, it keeps getting worse every single year and by worse i mean more um and i've talked to uh you know people about this because it for me it was hard as well because when i first saw it you know i'm looking at like emails and notifications of bad guys and i just kind of did a little math you know little math formula and i was like wow there must be like a couple hundred kids this is if i see if i see six and six months and this is the list like there must be a couple hundred of these things that's what the terror after that when i met her in december 2022 and she was explaining it and i was like oh wow i'm way off this got to be in like the probably the low thousands yeah. and then i spoke to a few more case managers and they gave me their information as well and i asked them straight up like you know give me a percentage of how many kids you think are being trafficked and these are career like you know career long people that are in case management, but also like anti-trafficking. And I'm talking like 20, 25 years, 30 years, people in this kind of work. And she's adamant. And these people are adamant that it's closer to like 35 to 40% of kids in just this one program is getting, are getting trafficked. That means there's upwards of like 10 to 15 to 25,000 just in the past like couple of years that are getting trafficked right now. So it, it is, I mean, the evil is unspeakable. So we won't talk about it, but you're absolutely right though, which is, you know, the, the community effort has got to be an, an added element to the equation. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and like I said, we're, we're here for whatever we can do. Um, we can, we can gather people to save the children and that's what we got to do. Amen. <clears throat> Definitely. Yeah, you know, I mean, the the uh, the I think the the best possible scenario would be for locally us to approach our uh, our sheriffs and uh, and create local task task forces, uh, get deputized specifically looking into things like this. You know, I mean, Grady Judd down here in Florida, the man is a legend. Okay, I mean, he does more press conferences talking about busting child traffickers and pedophiles than anybody I've seen anywhere throughout this country. And I know that he is uh, very open to working directly with the public because I've got viewers who who know him personally. Uh, And I think that we could probably take what he's done and, uh, and, and try to duplicate that in other areas throughout the country. You know, one of the hardest parts, uh, once, let me finish this thought, Aaron, then you go ahead. Uh, you know, is the fact that the, the people who are engaging in the trafficking of these children, I mean, we're talking about sophisticated operations. We're talking about legacy operations that have been operating for perhaps decades at a time. And even for the ones that are new, they're getting coached on exactly how to do this and to do it successfully. And it makes it even more difficult when we have NGOs from other parts of the world that are giving uh, uh, primers, uh, you know, uh, illustrated books on exactly how to get into this nation and do it, uh, you know, with the correct stories and stuff. Aaron, go ahead. Yeah, with the kids, especially, especially what you were saying with the sheriffs and the smaller town cops, because they have they have assets they can use as well. They can look into, okay, Demand to find out how many kids are in their in their town now that came from this program. Find out the truancy rate of school, and you start matching up names, and you can start going pretty quickly. Like, okay, this kid hasn't been here four or five days. We know the sponsor is, you know, planning to be X Y Z. Things can get fast and quick, um, but it's like you know that as far as people, there are ways to support those cops too, obviously. But you're right, though. Like that is it's going to be the quickest way. I think is is that level, and it's hard because that means. It might be slow in other parts of the country, but it's something at least. Well, courage is contagious, and if we can just get started with this thing in a couple of different areas, it might be able to take off. All right, McDewey, thank you very much for your call, brother. I appreciate you. Thank you. Hi, brother. I'm down here in Florida, too. Uh, All right. Anything I can do to help. All right. Appreciate you, man. Take it easy. Have a good night. 
Uh, fun, fun, fun says we need more errands. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. Uh, caller, right, you're on the I'm line. Uh, Make sure you mute that stream. Hey, brother, hold on a second. Let me get this okay. up. How you doing? Good, Colin. How about yourself? Beat. <laughs> I'm in good spirits, though. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, good, um, good. you know, I obviously lots of miracles. Real quick, uh, first of all, I want to say thank you. to I, I, I just, just kind of, this is like obviously something I'm very um, working on, concerned, and so on, da, da, da. So I just want to thank you, guests, first. But I wanted to... Uh, mentioned to you that there's something going on because I haven't gotten any e- emails. Uh, so I know that you have it, you know, continue to training at proton.me, but I'm not getting any mail. So I don't know if proton is blocking it or what. Huh. So if, I wonder if you could, you know, sometime if you get a couple minutes, maybe call me on the phone or something or cause I'm, I've texted you. I don't get any responses either. Cause I'm sending you some, some good information. And okay. real quick, no, I haven't uh, seen anything coming through. Okay, so then there's a problem. So if you can sometime make it, you know, just call me and then we'll go through and do some quick tests if you have time um, because things are critical. And uh, I kind of want to approach this from a, a, a different point that, uh, you know, you kind of want to, you, you want to smack people around a little bit to get them to wake up. So here's one smack. Do people realize how close we are to the possibility of nuclear war? So in other words, nothing matters. And in my own personal story, and also one of my best friends now, she lost her whole entire farm. You know, it's like four or five million dollars worth of a farm completely took away. They took thirty-five properties away from me. Tried to kill me. Out of put me in jail. So on. So on. So we. But when we pray and we ask why, God says, "Well, I had to get rid of all your distractions." So that's the kind of second smack. If you don't pay attention now, you might find that you don't have anything else to pay attention to. Okay. So that's two. Number three. Is that recently, uh, and I sent it on on Telegram, I've been using Telegram a lot, where it is now, quote-unquote, verified just in the United States alone, excuse me, America, 75 million people dead from the shot. Mm-hmm. So, and we're only on the third, we're only basically in the second year, and the doctor said between three and five years. So whatever times people have left on this earth, um, why not do what, you know, what needs to be done? Um, what's the other thing I want to say? Oh, and you, uh, your guest, uh, David Jose, remember him? Yes. Yes. I remember him. Okay. Well, I mean, communication with him and so on. And he's also, uh, utilizing, uh, the way he does it. There's an audio out there and so on. But what he's saying is you, it says that we are to instruct our legislature. You know, how I've been talking to people that we need to go down to our legislatures yes. and get. Uh, con- uh, mandatory competency testing passed. Well, what he's doing is showing people that, yeah, we actually are supposed to tell our legislatures what to do. And once people start getting that power, once they come together, gentlemen, and by the way, I reiterate what the gentleman, uh, the last caller said, I'm there. The, 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 I'm, I, I'm, I'm there. I'm ready. I don't, I don't need any arms or anything. You just send me, you know, you, you tell me where they're at and, and I'll find a way to go, go in and get them. And so will other people. So I, I agree with that. And remember, too, that we created the biggest thing when I teach people. I had another a couple that called me because they needed help on a legal thing, and we went through it. Of course, I have to do the training, the crack in the eggshell. And the one thing I realized that I'm now you know, upgrading all the time to get it better, the biggest thing that I'm finding is that Christians fail to understand that God did not create this government. We created it. We the people. Therefore, it's our creation, and we have to manage it. So if they're not doing what they're supposed to do, we have to do it. 
it all always falls back on us. So we have to manage them. We fail to manage them. That's on us. We're the guilty party here. This should never have happened to begin with. Um, the other third thing I want to, or the other thing I want to mention is that because what you said a minute ago, this was all set up a long time ago. The people that are in the play now, most of the old guys, they're all dead. The ones who set this whole thing up. Okay. Oh, yeah. So, so they don't have the skills. They haven't worked. They haven't gone through the same stuff that the other guys did who set it up. Most of them don't even know how the system works. Why is that important? It means that once you put one little monkey wrench in their thing, they're going to stand around, look at each other, and go, well, what do we do now? Right? It's like when you get rid of Pelosi, no matter who they have take her place, they're going to be younger than her. They don't know all the craftiness. She hasn't. They haven't been spell casting as long as she has. So it's mm-hmm. much easier. It's much, much easier for us to disrupt that system. And once you disrupt it, they, they don't have, they don't know what to do. So, so, so the fight now is not, it, in my mind anyway, is going to be a lot easier. Um, anyway, that's just my three cents. And I just wanted to once again, thank you, brother, for everything you do. Uh, I haven't been on a call because I've been so busy, but I do listen about four o'clock in the morning. I'm watching it um, to catch up. So I really appreciate everything that you're doing. And it's absolutely well, wonderful. You. And I want you're, to bless you're, you. You're, you're, I know you're doing good work, brother. So if you don't get a chance to call in, I know there's a good reason for it. So thank you again, mm-hmm. Colin. Appreciate you, bro. You're welcome. Blessings. All right. God God bless. We'll see you. All right. Final caller of the night. You're on the air. Can we get your name? Alan Terrace. Alan, welcome to the program, sir. Uh, what's your question or comment for Aaron? So, well, it's it's actually kind of just broad based. I'm gonna. You guys talked about Minnesota a lot tonight, and okay. um, it, it, it what we're dealing with here. You guys, you know, you you might get bits and pieces, but I it, it sounds a little crazy, but I believe. I mean, I really do believe over this Walls administration, there has been an infiltration, Absolutely. and. We're, we're, we're dealing, I mean, I, I watch a lot of committee hearings and I'm kind of a geek in that way. And I watch house floor sessions and we have a trifecta in Minnesota now. It's no longer split. So they are bringing stuff that you would have to be paying attention to because it, it, it happens so fast. Mm-hmm. We, we, there's so many there. I can honestly say in, Probably two hands. I have witnessed an amendment brought to a bill from the minority that actually passed. And, you know, we, we, we have passed the, you know, the most extreme abortion bill in this state. And, you know, it's, it just gets washed. We have, they, we, they will not let us mine in this state and everything that they're talking about that they need to bring in the electric vehicles is sitting right here. So everybody in the corners of our state that are miners and have been since the founding, they can't get work. So we supplement them. We have an 18.5. Five billion dollar surplus right now, and I watched a bill go through the other day where we bought we borrowed two billion dollars from a bank. The, the, the insanity that is crazy. Okay, so now let me get to the next part of this where I'm finding the tyranny. We have a we have an 
an attorney general, Keith Ellison, and he's going after not criminals. He's going after business owners, which if you're a fraud in Minnesota, I'm the first one that wants you to get busted. We had we had a half a billion dollars that we lost in a fraud case. We don't even know the outcome of it. We had our daycare fraud. There was like a hundred million dollars. There's been no, uh, like said who's busted. You've got like three indictments. I mean, this is a massive operation. So it, 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 this is not like I'm asked. I want to know from you guys. It's so bad Are you in still Minnesota. There? I'm not. Yeah, I'm here. here. Really? I can hear him. What the heck Are happened to my audio? <clears throat> can you hear me? Okay. Well, it, it, yeah, you can go on, dude. I can hear you. Can you? All right. For some reason, I just can't hear anything you guys are saying. That's so strange. All right. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll wrap it up quick. I'm just telling you, we have to focus on some of this stuff that, that we're being, there's states and cities that are being targeted. And if, if you, you know, if you need any more examples, George Floyd happened here. And we also, right after that, you, you have not seen riots, maybe, maybe Atlanta that have been as extreme Minneapolis, man. Our whole Lake Street, they burned it down. Nobody, they burnt a third precinct down, and there's been no accountability, man. No, I know. I'm Um, I'm lost. And so we need help. We need people like you, Zach, that, that can, you know, get these people on that you have right now. And we make people understand what's really going on because if we don't we're toast and i don't mean to, i'm not a negative guy but i'm done and i'm kind of hearing other callers tonight we're just kind of done i mean what does it take i don't want it to be violence i certainly don't want it to be violent but they're gonna push it to that point and i would i just want you to keep having guests that can help us deal with it in the most rational ways possible because they're pushing the envelope so hard we can't take Certainly. it yeah well, all right you know, sir it, i appreciate i appreciate your time zach hey me and well, jr are buddies so i just wanted you to know oh, right on right on jr is a great friend uh thank you so much for listening JR is a for good call. man all right Certainly thank is. you zach thank you brother we'll Bye-bye. talk to you soon bye-bye all right, so caller is is not wrong. I think that uh, violence is ultimately what they want to push us to. I mean, they're looking to destabilize society, and they want to make your life a living hell so that at a certain point you're just going to forego all logic and lash out uh, in an attempt to try to fix this or address it. And then, of course, at that point, they're going to crack down in uh, the, the, the most jackbooted thug way they possibly can. Uh, it'll give them the uh, the pretext they need to strip away all the rest of the freedoms that, that we have or that we are uh, watching slip through our fingers. Um, Aaron, I'm going to go through the final thank yous over here on the Foxhole. Uh, just another patriot. Thank you very much. J-Bell, so good to see you. She dropped a can. Just another patriot said, Chips Ahoy. Elizabeth G. said, ask the Clintons and Laura Silsby. I'm, are you aware of uh, Laura Silsby and the uh, uh, her attempt to traffic children out of Haiti? She was working for the uh, Clinton Global Initiative. Well, if you're not, yep. it's a great story. Yeah, Laura Silsby, Clinton Global Initiative, children in Haiti tried to traffic them out right after an earthquake. 
She claimed that they were orphans, but most of them actually had parents that were looking for them. And of course, she got off. Nothing happened to her. Uh, but that's just a part of that organized human trafficking ring that um, that exists in the federal government. Uh, just another patriot. Thank you very much for the cookie, Porpoiseful. Thank you. Just another patriot. And then also let the arrests begin. And then also over on Rumble, fun, 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 said not much, but I appreciate this show. I appreciate you. Thank you very much to everybody who has supported the program. I know that I actually have a couple of other ones that I need to get off from Cash App and from Buy Me a Coffee. Jerry Bond on Thursday, actually. That would have been during Occam's Razor. I appreciate you, brother. If we go to Buy Me a Coffee... Uh, I can see Katya said, Zach, thank you so much for touching and thought-provoking shows. Tonight, I listened to the testimony of, by the veteran from the Afghan suicide bomber attack. No words. Thank you to Abe as well for drawing attention to how our servicemen and women are used for evil by some of our leaders. You're, you're absolutely right. Thank you for watching. Appreciate that. Uh, also, Lou Ann V said, boom. Thank you very much, Lou Ann. Appreciate you. Uh, so, Aaron, at the end of the program, I always like to ask my guests, uh, what would you most like the audience to take away from our conversation tonight? Um, I'm going to basically convey what Tara said as well, that this trafficking going out right now, it is definitely, you know, government government sponsored, taxpayer funded child trafficking. Um, and one thing that I know I've been failing at to say a lot because I get I you know, have these conversations a lot is one great thing that people can do is pray, and that's something that we can all do. That's you know our own power, right? Um, I've learned that over time. That's a lot of a, it's a much stronger weapon than I guess anybody else realizes, but it's something that's probably also needed the most. Is just Pray for not only yourself, but for the kids, you know, because God's plan, not mine. I'm just going to try to do whatever I can. Right. Mm -hmm. But just, just pray because, you know, Jesus was pretty clear about us with kids and what we should do. We should protect them. We should care for them. We should make sure that they're not, you know, stumbling into sin. So just please pray. All right, man. Uh, Well, listen, I really appreciate you being here. Appreciate your perspective. Thank you so much for having the courage to stand up and say something when so many were not willing to say anything at all. You are one in a million, Aaron, and uh, you are always welcome back on the program, dude. Um, thank you. And thank you. You, to- you do this weekly. You're the hero, man. You do this <laughs> I do weekly. It six days a week. <laughs> Sorry. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Well, you know, I'm a, I'm a bit of a perfectionist, and uh, I'm just also one of those people who I, I couldn't live with myself if I wasn't doing everything in my power to try to raise awareness about this stuff, because it's so vitally important, and it's just shunned. It's, it's to completely ignored by the mainstream media. And it's uh, one of the most fundamentally important issues that's facing our nation today. You know, we are nothing without our morality and without our virtue. And when you no longer care about protecting the most vulnerable elements of our society, whether it's children, you know, women, elderly, uh, you know, these people are just not held to any sense of value other than what they can bring to these criminal traffickers. It's horrible, and we have to do something to stop it. So, Aaron, tell everybody where they can find you once more. And um, I will also remind everybody that uh, as soon as the as soon as I close the show, I'm going to throw the give, send, go for Aaron into the chat again. And if you can support him, please do so. But where can they find you, Aaron? Uh, best one, honestly, is definitely going to be uh, Twitter. I'm on uh, Truth Social as well. Both their usernames um, is just called out DHS underscore between, you know, called out DHS. So, um, mm-hmm. and I'm pretty, I, I engage people. If they ask me questions, I respond. I don't have 
you know, maybe a thousand followers. So I'm in, I'm also on Twitter spaces. I jump on, um, obviously whatever I can do to help. I try to, I don't think I'm done with this. Um, then there's a long way to go. There's a lot more to know about these things, but that's, that's why we're, we're here on this earth is to, you know, do these things, I think. So, but yeah. Amen. Well, God's called you and I think you're in the perfect place. All right. Thank you again, Aaron. Thank you to everybody at home uh, taking tomorrow off because it's Sunday. So until I'm back here Monday for Red Pill News Live at 6 p.m. And then, of course, at 1030, Baseless Conspiracies on Badlands Media. Good luck, everyone. And God bless. Thank you for being here.
When it comes to stubborn belly fat, we're all searching for a miracle pill. Generally, you have to use multiple products that target belly fat differently to manage excess weight around the stomach. Some products may focus on abdominal exercises or dietary changes, while others might focus on boosting metabolism or controlling cravings. But believe it or not, I may have found a solution that removes the need for juggling through multiple weight management products. It's called Belly Trim, and it's more effective at targeting belly fat, enhancing metabolism, and promoting a toned midsection better than most weight management products I've seen typically found on store shelves. Tens of thousands of five-star reviews back up the notion that Belly Trim is not only a breakthrough in a bottle, but that it also removes the need for us to use countless diet pills and fat-burning supplements. But there's more. If you place your order for Belly Trim now, you'll also receive 51% off free VIP live health and fitness coaching for life, two free new e-books titled Top 10 Foods That Burn Belly Fat, and Top 10 Exercises to Reduce Belly Fat, a 60-day satisfaction guarantee, and last but not least, free shipping. Simply go to www.trimwithus.com. That's www.trimwithus.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. Once again, that's www.trimwithus.com. Order now. Energy bills are rising at a historic rate, and there's no end in sight. Talk to enough people, and you'll soon realize nearly everyone's shocked at their recent electricity bills. Some studies reveal energy costs have skyrocketed by as high as 60% in as little as two years. That's why tens of thousands are installing this magical little device from SavePowerBills.com to help slash their energy bills. This sophisticated gadget stabilizes electrical currents, reduces dirty electricity, and helps protect your appliances and electronics. Simply plug it into your home's wall outlet to help lower energy consumption and ultimately help reduce your power bills every month. Countless five-star reviews back up the notion that this device is one of the most efficient ways to save money while beating the greedy power companies. But there's more. If you order now, you'll also receive 65% off, fast shipping within the USA, hassle-free returns, and last but not least, a 60-day satisfaction guarantee. Just go to SavePowerBills.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. Once again, that's SavePowerBills.com. Violent crime across the U.S. has skyrocketed. Just recently, a politician was carjacked by three armed attackers outside his home in Washington, D.C. This comes several months after another politician was assaulted in the elevator of her building. Between mass shootings, kidnappings, burglaries, and carjackings, it's never been more vital to learn how to protect yourself. This is why tens of thousands are choosing the Fighter Flare Flashlight. The Fighter Flare Flashlight has awed people with a wonderful design and massive light output. On top of an ultra-bright 800-lumen light, it boasts powerful strobe lighting modes for self-defense, a glass breaking hammer, a built-in power bank, solar-powered recharging, rope cutter, siren, and much more. Countless five-star reviews back up the notion that this flashlight is the latest and greatest in the EDC market. But there's more. If you place your order for the Fighter Flare flashlight now, you'll also receive 66% off, free express shipping, and last but not least, a 100% lifetime guaranteed replacement. Simply go to www.fighterflare.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. www.fighterflare.com. Order now.